Hey, everybody. For Spike, I've got Chris Reynolds on my shirt. Colin. I am Matt Wright, and we are here in person. In person. In Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The beautiful, dirty Myrtle. That's right. Murder Beach. We had a uh, we had a great weekend. We had an amazing weekend. So there were some ups, there were some downs. There was a down. There was a down. There was really a down. There was one. It was just a really big down. It was the down. Right. It was the down. It was like the most depressing movie you've ever seen. The the requiem for a dream of downs. But it was only for a few minutes. But it was only for a few minutes, and then everything else. Then after that, smooth sailing all the way across the board. That's right. So we uh we had a great time. Chris is not going to cooperate, but we had a great time. Chris had an amazing time. He's still having a hard time staying up. Right. He, Chris, Chris, Chris uh, had a lot of play. He, he, he was, he was a very busy man. Chris was the bell of the ball. That's true. If you will. People, people, when Chris wasn't around, people were asking about Chris. Yeah, we actually. So the one time I didn't wear Chris, people were like, "Where the hell is Chris?" Right. And I'm like, "Oh wow, Chris is that important now." So Chris, personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. Please know you were loved. You were asked for. And you were one of the biggest stars of the show. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Uh, everybody loved Chris. Uh, and we, every, every, 99% of the people were wonderful. 99.7% of the people, almost, all, really just one person was not wonderful. Right. Sadly, that was the one person that it was actually necessary that that person be wonderful. Wonderful. And we just want to say we had a great time. We'd like to thank everyone. Uh, at the South Carolina Libertarian Party, we'd love to thank the uh, we'd love to thank the Vermin Supreme campaign. We'd love to thank the Kim Ruff campaign. We'd love to thank the Dan Berman Dan campaign. Berman campaign. Since we're wearing his hats, since we're wearing his hats, right? These hats, by the way, taxationistheft.cards. Yeah, be sure to check those out. Uh, but yeah, um, Kim Ruff, Dan Berman, Adam Kokesh, Kim uh, Vermin Supreme, Joe, uh, uh, Ken Armstrong. Ken Armstrong, uh, 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 um, uh, 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 Jacob Hornberger, Jacob Hornberger, Jacob Hornberger. If Jacob Hornberger uh, announced his candidacy whilst we were there, whilst we were there, whilst we were there. Sadly, I didn't get. I got a it's very small, like one minute clip snippet. of his announce. Yeah, just a snip, snipperoo of it uh, before my uh, phone announced to me that I had filled my SD card, despite the fact that I had emptied it. Just before that started, right? But uh, so that we got to we got to see that. Um, so we'll be hearing more from him, I'm sure. But uh, he made a nice little appearance. Uh, and um, Joe Jorgensen, Joe Jorgensen was there. Yeah, she and, was there. Uh, she was definitely there. Um, and um, and yeah, so we had a good time. It was wonderful. Five out of five. Swiping right, swiping right, swiping right swiping on South right, Carolina Libertarian Party. That's right, just swiping right, just swipe right on South right. Carolina Libertarian Party. If there, if there was uh, Yelp reviews uh, for Libertarian Party conventions, this uh, would get would swipe right. We would swipe right because that's how that's Yelp how works. Yelp works. You're right, because um, but we we would definitely rate it very high. Uh, we would be like, you know, great great members, you know, great members. Uh, venue was nice. Candidates mostly great. Um, and, uh, mostly great, candidates. mostly great candidates and, uh, really only one issue. The biggest one. So we weren't able to broadcast, uh, uh, live, but, uh, we're not sure yet, but as of this recording, 
you will either be getting a audio version of the debate tonight, tonight. Uh, or you will be getting the actual video version of the debate tonight. Uh, either way, we will be uh, doing our typical Muddied Waters live reaction, even though it's not live. We'll be doing our, we'll be doing our reaction pre live. Pre-recorded reaction. Uh, or well, pre -re our rea a live, live reaction, reaction to, to a pre-recorded pre debate. debate. Uh, and so we hope you enjoy that. Yeah. And we hope you enjoy us. We enjoy you. We definitely enjoy you. We definitely and enjoy us. Tune in for... Well, stay tuning in. You're already here. Continue so to tune continue in. Continue to tune in. Do not turn your device not, off. Yeah, do not turn it off. Uh, and continue to turn in for the South Carolina Libertarian Debate 2020 edition. Libertarageddon. Lib lib yes. Libertarian. Libertarageddon. Thank you, guys. afternoon and good evening or good evening and welcome to the vanguard for spike i am definitely nothing like Rand paul cohen i am matt wright and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom hey everybody how are you doing some quick breaking news before we get into everything uh this actually just came across my uh news wire thing okay. uh also known as my ipad uh the libertarian darling prince rand paul uh said that he would probably will leak the name of the whistleblower oh god he probably will leak the name of the whistleblower because uh, that's what libertarians do yeah libertarians absolutely leak the names of whistleblowers it's actually you know it's a big part of of what we believe in is that we believe in self-ownership and therefore if you tell on a government official you should suffer consequences for it. Um, this completes, I mean, you could argue when he, you know, voted to confirm some of the worst neocons into the Trump administration that he had already completed his transition into totally fake libertarian, but this kind of completes it. But I am probably, I'm trying to put on my thing. But yeah, yeah no, that's... That uh, there is no law preventing him from, uh, anybody from saying the name, uh... Nothing that prevents me from saying it now. I can, and I may, but I can do it right now if I want. Nothing stops me. Okay. Well, good for him. Right. So uh, just remember that when uh, you are defending, when you when you are defending Sir Rand Paul uh, as the greatest libertarian in Congress. Right. Exactly. So first and foremost oh yeah first and foremost <laughs> second second and second most second most second most uh allow me to thank justin for the kava i am drinking on this very special episode of the muddied waters of freedom and allow me to thank kroger for this delicious purified drinking water with pure oh, no no okay purified drinking water there we go that i drink 
on this and most episodes of the Mighty Waters of Freedom. And thank you to Dan Berman for this sweet-ass hat. For these sweet-ass hats that we're wearing. This sweet-assed hat that I have on that keeps... I've got to get used to having a hat on because it keeps bumping into my mic. But... So I got to do it like this, like the rappers do. But uh, no, I'd like to thank Dan for that and for these equally sweet-ass... What are these called? Armbands? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the rubber armbands. Wristbands. Yeah, wristbands. Rubber wristbands. Yeah. One that okay. says... Dan Berman the dr- taxation is theft one and the Dan Berman end the drug war. End the drug war. You can get these on danberman2020.com and you can get the hat, sweet as it is, at taxationistheft.cards. Do not go to .com. .com takes you to Reddit for some reason. Right. But uh, yeah, guys, so we had a, a... Oh, and I'd like to thank the South Carolina Libertarian Party for acknowledging my status as a Zionist infiltrator into everything that I do. And for the lanyard. I put right. my sticker. That's our sticker. But So yeah, so Matt, we... Uh, we met each other for the first time. We did at the uh, Myrtle Beach International Airport. The Myrtle Beach International Airport. As all great romances start. Did we see Bula Vanaka? Bula Vanaka to everybody. Bula Vanaka. Bula Vanaka to everybody we just like. Bula Vanaka with all my all my gear. And I got so I, I so and I I got I can't stop but thinking Dan Burma. Gotta thank Kim Ruff for all the swagger I swag I got from her. Vermin Supreme for all the swag I got from him, as well as the place that we stayed at, the Vermin Supreme Supreme campaign paid for. So we got to thank them for that. Got a cool ass Airbnb that we stayed at. Like to thank Matt for being gentle when we were sharing a bed together. Like to thank him for that. Turned out there weren't enough beds, so we shared so the king Spike, bed. Uh, just just so everybody knows, Spike um, has never used Airbnb before. No, nope. ever. <laughs> and uh, he he. We had four people. We were we were staying with the Vermin Supreme campaign team. Right. So it was Vermin Supreme. Uh, one of his handlers, uh, a very lovely man by the name of uh, Davy Jones. Davy who, Jones. Davy Jones, who used to uh, sing in the monkeys and had a locker. He um, did have a locker. Bottom of the sea. I thought you're right. At the bottom of the sea. And... Uh, me and Spike, we were all staying there, and Spike was in charge of booking the Airbnb. And for four dudes, four grown men, Spike booked a three-bedroom, one-bath. To, to be fair, to be fair, it's all that was available without going far enough out where we might as well just have stayed at my house. Mm. To also be fair. We could have maybe just stayed at my house, but but I, I don't. Th- I mean, you did that drive back. I don't think that would have been feasible to go back and forth like that, right? Oh God, no. Yeah, I mean, it was bad enough being twenty minutes away. So, so just to be fair, that's what they had. But yeah, it was three bedrooms, one bath, and so, so Matt and I shared a a bed. We did. We we met each other and went to bed together that night. On the first- on the first, first day. night first date first Spike date. gives it up real easy ladies didn't and even take me to dinner didn't have to didn't I, have to that's, that's how true easy spike. That i didn't how yeah. easy spike is and i God don't value myself what? i don't value myself it's true but yeah. uh so yeah so we had a great time had a good time at the uh convention got to meet all the people there 
Had a great time at the After Party Social. I've got some red carpet interviews that uh, I'll be showing uh, throughout, kind of dispersed throughout this this lovely episode. And uh, yeah, so guys, we were supposed to... uh, we were supposed to broadcast the uh, the debate, and that didn't happen. Um, the we had been told that we were coming there to do commentary, and uh, the uh, those in charge of that were under the impression that we were there to run the broadcast. Um, thankfully, I brought my laptop, so we were able to at least try. Uh, to get the broadcast going, and uh, the other people at uh, the South Carolina Libertarian Party in that final 30 minutes or so tried their best to help us get everything together, but that's not how streaming with a rig that no one's ever tried for the first time is going to work, and so unfortunately we weren't able to uh, to do it. But we uh, we had a great time still, and we did thankfully get the audio of it, which we'll be playing tonight and live reacting to that, but... Um, yeah, so the reason we went there didn't happen, but then we got to do a bunch of other cool stuff and hang out with all the candidates and all our Liberty peeps. So it was not lost. And then we also got to have Autumn Cherub Monday. We got to have Autumn Cherub Monday. We got to have Autumn Cherub Monday. So it's true. So... I will tell you, Matt. Wait, wait, wait a second. Is there a is there a calendar behind you? There is a calendar behind me. There is the uh, Libertarian Dad Bod calendar. Uh, this one is I have it on April already because oh, wh- why? Because that is uh, the month that uh, Spike Nipples McGee Cohen is in. <laughs> displaying all of the spike nipples with all of the chest hair oh wow uh, it's a shame it's so far away and we don't have like a zoomed in version that people can see oh, so look can at see that. everything look at that see but mine is autographed so it's oh we'll see that's yeah i didn't i didn't get mine autographed so yeah my, mine is autographed i got i got two autographs on my calendar one one from uh one from spike cohen and one from vermin supreme who only signed his first name tyler smith says june is sexier probably tyler there's a good i mean well so june is tyler that's why he's saying that and and i don't i don't disagree but we don't have that graphic we don't have that graphic i mean he can flip to it but no one's gonna see it so uh so yeah um so yeah so oh and if anyone wants to get one of those libertariandadbod.com and if you donate a thousand dollars to muddied waters media i will sign every page of it yep i mean just or even 50 well i thought you were good at negotiating we had this 25. long talk the other day. Like you just dropped from a thousand. I don't need your money. I don't need your money. But if you were to give me two hundred fifty bucks, <laughs> now you're back up. You're Maybe all, I'm all over the place. I'm all. I'm my negotiating. I'm too tired to negotiate. I haven't. I still haven't really slept like a good sleep since all this happened. But uh, yeah, so it was a. It was a lot of fun. Um, and. Just to go ahead and get out of the way, I uh, apparently already 
had my biggest moment in my career on uh, on TikTok. <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, TikTok is an app that's incredibly popular with the kids, with the teenagers kids. and young adults. Um, Vermin Supreme supporters. Vermin yeah, Vermin Supreme supporters. Vermin Supreme also is incredibly popular popular with the kids and teens and young adults. And so he's incre- he's viral on TikTok. Uh, and so having done, and we'll show the serious red carpet interviews, we ended up doing something that has already gotten, last check, over 30,000. We can, we can call that 31,000. 31,000 who... Love it. And so I'm just going to go ahead and show it to you. Hey, kids! Look at us! We're on the red carpet! everybody know though since i was there for the entire planning of this video this was actually not spike's idea oh no this was not my idea that was vermin's idea that was all vermin's idea that was a hundred percent vermin this idea. was what vermin had as soon as he saw the carpet he said let's make a, a video for the kids yes and i said well who am i to argue with the guy who's paying for my room and board valid that is a valid point and so there we are. Matt directed it. Dave, you may notice. I'm never going to play that again, but you may notice he was waving in the background. Shout out to Dave coming through at the end shout there. Shout out to Davy Jones. Shout out to Davy Jones for coming through at the end there. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's what that's what happened there. And um, another big thing uh, before we we go to the and this will this will kind of season give you a little seasoning of. Uh, of what people were thinking about coming into the debate. The biggest uh, news of the convention by far, um, all the candidates got to give their speeches. Uh, Before that, the delegates, they had voted for their delegates and so forth. But all the candidates got to give their speeches. And the, I guess, pragmatist choice in South Carolina, uh, one Miss uh, Joe Jorgensen, She gave her speech and she, uh, she gave, she get her speech was, uh, 50 seconds, 98 seconds, 98 seconds. How long? Oh, was it 98? Se- I thought it was like 50 seconds. I, man, I, I was just making up the 98 because it, it was, was so short. I could not believe it was over. Like I figured it was over a minute, but I knew it wasn't two. Every candidate had nine minutes to give a speech and then answer some questions. And we've actually have, uh, the three we cared to show on uh, on the Money Waters page uh, from Dan Berman, Kim Ruff, and Vermin Supreme. And most of them would give anywhere from a three to five minute speech and then, you know, spend the rest of the time answering questions. Uh, Joe talked for, I think, a minute. I think it was like a minute, give or take. Uh, gave a decent I can, I can, speech. I can sum up her speech. I tried to do it yesterday in the car and it went... For those of you who don't know, my name is Joe Jorgensen, and I was the Libertarian Party vice presidential candidate in 1996 under Harry Brown. Hmm. Uh, 
Many people from the other, the candidates from the other parties are planning on going to DC with a pen and a pencil. I am going there with an eraser. The end. Now I'm, now I'm ready for your question. Now I'm I, ready for your I question. There was something I was missing, but that yes. may have been it. Yeah. No, that was, that was literally it. That was literally, it. oh, she mentioned that she's from, you know, the great state of South Carolina and she's a lecturer at Clemson. That was really the only other oh, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all she said that you missed. I mean, it was like, oh, wow, really? This is this is what you've chosen to, to do. Uh, so she, anytime anyone asked her a question, she would say, yes, we're going to be getting to that very shortly as we start campaigning, even though she was already campaigning. Right. She She was doing a campaign event and going to a debate to a convention to whip delegates followed by a con- a debate which as far as she knew was going to be broadcast live all over the internet right as far as the rest of us knew as well except for one person and so she then uh so it all came to a head when she was asked by one ms sarah daggers a uh, specific question and this is how she responded to it guys this is how the pragmatist choice the electable choice responded to it. Yes. Um, in 2015, 16, there was a town hall meeting on, uh, I believe it was CNN, and Gary I, 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 as libertarians, we are all, uh, and I really don't want to, um, you know, to, I, I, I hope I'm not putting my foot in my mouth. Yeah, that's too late. We're all just a little Way too late. in that we've got answers for everything, and we've got great answers for everything, and we just can't wait to share our answers for everything. I was on the campaign trail in 1996 for the VP nomination, and somebody asked me a question about Bureau of Land Management. And by golly, I just read a book the, the week before, and I could tell them all about the Bureau of Land Management. The problem is the average person out there doesn't care. And so as libertarians, I think we need to restrain ourselves and to persuade people or find the people who agree with what we do agree with. So you don't have a position on sex work? Oh, I have a position. It's, mm-hmm. not, part of the, it's not part of the campaign to outreach to bring new people into the party. So you wouldn't answer the question if you were on CNN live on a town hall debate? I, I, I would. The short answer is no. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, so now you're afraid to ask me questions. <laughs> well, they're not really afraid to ask you questions. They just don't see the purpose of it because... Right, because you've already said that you won't answer questions that you don't feel the voters, the people in that room. So the liberty... Because okay, so we're not voters. We're not voters. Uh, the Libertarian Party does not have a primary for anybody that does not know this. I know that right. if you're a Libertarian, you probably know it, but I do know some people who did not know that during the 2016 elections because they got all bent out of shape that they couldn't vote for their preferred candidate in the primary uh, election day voting. Right. On the Super Tuesdays and uh, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It is not the the libertarian candidate is not chosen by the voters. They are chosen by delegates who show up at the national convention and vote on behalf of their respective territories. Um, I was asked to be a delegate back in 2016. Uh, I ended up not doing it. 
because it was already I already knew who was winning and I I didn't care. Right. Um, so she is talking to the people who are responsible for getting her into office. She is talking to the people who are responsible for getting her into office, and she refused to answer a question that the Libertarian Party recently made a part of their uh, their platform. Their yeah, platform. Thank you. I was yeah. going to say pillars, and I was like, that's not the right word. Part of their platform. Um, the, the Libertarian Party recently made a part of their platform that sex work is real work, and if you choose to perform sex work, you should be allowed to without fear of consequence from the state. Right. Uh, and she said, that is not something the voters care about. Well, that is something that your voters care about, whether or not that's something that the general public voters care about. Okay. Maybe you're right. Maybe I don't, yeah. uh, I honestly don't know. I haven't gone out and take, taken a poll, but I know it is something that libertarians believe in libertarians stand up for and libertarians care about. So when you say that's not something that voters care about, you are saying I don't care what you care about. I'm worried about everybody else. Yeah. And you're also saying that you're going to hide and refuse to answer questions. Right. Every single time a reporter asks you something controversial, which is really just a great way to win an election is to look like you're hiding something. Um, so that was so that was sort of the flavor that everyone was tasting in their mouth when the debate started. Because that was just a few hours earlier. And uh, and so, uh, without further ado, uh, we can get started with the, um, with the uh, South Carolina Libertarian Party debate. We have the audio and the we way that are, we... We are missing the openings. Yeah. We, yeah, well, we're missing so, the opening. So, so we have part of the opening. So it actually starts in the middle of, or towards the end of Vermin Supreme's speech. Right, so and we're, then it we're going to be a, missing Kim Ruff... Dan Berman, Adam Kokesh. And I think Joe Jorgensen. And I think Joe Jorgensen. Just and then we come in speeches. in the middle of the Vermin Supreme. Yeah, yeah. Towards middle to end of the Vermin Supreme speech. And then uh, and then we get Ken and then and then the actual debate starts. Uh, because we do not have video, I will be switching off with my little handy dandy switcher here and showing the face of whoever's talking in the middle here. So... Without this further ado, also for for anybody who wanted to know, this debate was being host uh, being moderated. Sorry, it was supposed to be hosted by us. Um, it's being hosted by us right now, uh, yep. but it was supposed to be it was moderated by uh, Matt Welsh from Reason. And I have a picture of him too. So, He's the editor at large, the editor Reason. at large of Reason magazine. That's so, it. without further ado, here is the beginning of Vermin's speech or the end of Vermin's speech, which is the beginning of what we have for the debate. I am not on all the time, and I am not a full-time disruptor. What I am is a very reasonable man with a reasonable offer on the table to offer this boot to the LP to help harness them to bring many, many young people to the yard on the uh, virility of my memeiness on the Internet and beyond. Thank you. And Ken Armstrong, please. He said we should do what? We should like puppet out the voices. <laughs> like we, I'm we would be, Armstrong. Well, except it would just be our mouths. Like you oh. would be Ken Armstrong and I would be Dan Berman. 
I'm not against doing that. I just... But I haven't heard this, so I can't do it. Well, that's the problem. So, guys, we actually haven't heard most of this. Yeah. So, you're getting... We're, we're getting this pretty much as new as you are, so... Hi there, I'm Ken Armstrong. And first of all, I just want to say how amazing it is to be on stage at Francis Marion University. Think about this. This place is named for one of our nation's original freedom fighters. Killed massive amounts of law enforcement officers. And I like to think that Francis Marion would be proud of the six people standing on the stage today. I have a fire in my belly for what we're doing. You can't see it, but it's there, I promise. I, I'm, I'm very, very serious about this. My wife, Dawn, and I have put our entire lives on hold. Everything we own is in the back of the car. Our buddy Earl has been diligently driving us from whistle stop to whistle stop. But we have put ourselves on hold, and we have met hundreds of people in the 40 states that we've been to so far, eight more to visit in the continental United States. But we passionately want to participate in the change that this country needs to see. All right, so let's explain how this is going to go. Uh, I will ask questions. Most of them will be the same question for all six candidates to ponder and discuss. They will have 60 seconds with which to answer. Again, the monitor is right there. If they happen to name somebody else or call somebody out in some way that deserves or merits a response, that person will then have 30 seconds to respond. And I will choose the order, I should say, I will uh, delegate the choosing of the order by pressing this magic a button on random.org uh, as opposed to uh, trying to think through it myself. Uh, so this first question Shout out to random.org um, We'll go to uh, Adam Kokesh uh, and we'll go to everybody else but he'll take first a crack at it. Uh, this week there's been some large amounts of news on a topic that has been divisive to a lot of libertarian or libertarian leaners both in terms of audience uh, and also legislators, and that is the House of Representatives voting to launch an inquiry of impeachment against President Donald Trump. My question to you, Adam Kokesh, and everybody else is, had you been in Congress, would you have voted yes? And then also, in your judgment, from what we know so far, has the president engaged in impeachable conduct that's worth voting about? I would absolutely <clears throat> vote for impeachment, not just for President Trump, but for every member of Congress, myself included. Has Donald Trump committed impeachable conduct? Different scholars will draw the line in different places, but it really doesn't matter. Has he engaged in criminal conduct? Absolutely. And that's what matters, because this is a fundamentally criminal government that is unfit to exist. It's a Spooner shout out there. Kim Ruff. No, I would not necessarily have voted in favor of it because the grounds upon which it hinges is specious. However, I do think that there's plenty of things that you could hold Trump accountable for and could indeed impeach him for, one of which is continuing the unconstitutional war in Yemen. But of course, in order to do that, you would also have to go after Obama for starting it, and that would make the whole thing unravel. Right now, it's just political theater. They're doing it because they're trying to put themselves in position to look like the better option in 2020. But we obviously know they're not. Ken Armstrong, would you have voted to impeach? 
And do you think there's impeachable conduct there? Here comes the voice. Well, yes, I do think there's impeachable conduct. But beyond that, I think that, uh, that the entire government is proving to us that it's time for a change. And uh, I'll just say quite simply, I, we're ready to be that change right now. What's that? The picture. Oh, crap. <laughs> I don't know if voting for impeachment is the right thing. I mean, I really think there should be a continuous impeachment proceeding all the time for every single president, including myself, because, I mean, really, shouldn't we be keeping a pretty close eye on these guys and what they're doing? They're, they're doing so many things. They're continuing drone bombings. Um, they're continuing illegal tax collection. They're continuing seizing property and, and territories from other places. They're engaging in criminal wars. I, I think absolutely we need that to continue going, but I don't think it's something we should, we should have a voting process holding up. I think that's something that should just always be there. Vermin Supreme. Yes, sure, why not? Looks constitutional and probably. Outstanding. You should work in journalism. <laughs> Uh, and Joe Jorgensen, take us out. No, I would not vote to impeach. However, I think we need to look at all the congressmen. By the way, this is the highest resolution photo that exists of Joe Jorgensen. Free from big government and make government yeah. small. Thank you. Round two, the random generator likes Adam Kokesh, so he will again be the first to answer the following question. Another uh, bit of news this week, I think it happened on Friday, Senator Elizabeth Warren, a leading candidate for president, came out with uh, what she says is her plan to pay for Medicare for all uh, against the backdrop, of course, of a $23 trillion national debt and all kinds of uh, entitlements and, and things going forward. Trying to narrow the question, I would say this. Um, what do you think should be done, particularly from the federal government's point of view, to Medicare, Medicare itself, and especially with the, in mind of people who have been promised to receive it or who are receiving it right now? Localize it. Get it down to the state level. By the way, we met the girl who took this picture. She was a lovely, she she was was a nice. lovely young lady. She was very sweet. She was incredibly sweet. I want my pictures that she took of me. Level for starters, <laughs> ultimately down to the level this is what this campaign platform is based on and this is what unites people and i'm just gonna oh yeah so all right it's this, working yeah there's this ongoing thing with the mic no all right to mention some of the core yeah steel dance see we good all right well, there were some technological issues for men at least the clock is paused we had a lot of... Are we good? All right, I'll run through this really... Yep. There's a lot of issues. Is this one I work in either? Is it me? There you go. Uh, is there a bug somewhere? All right. Um, a big part of this idea of localization is that it really unites people and brings people together. And we have a huge group of coalitions, military for Kokesh with Afghanistan veteran Adam House, felons for Kokesh with Norman Somerville, who is an actual felon, stoners for Kokesh with none other than G.I. Mary Jane, the commander-in-chief herself, Joey Lee, women for Kokesh, gun owners, GSM, Christians, gamers, all great coalitions. But today I want to introduce Chris Cole with Victims of Family Law for Kokesh. He is a survivor of a brutal divorce and custody battle here with his... 
Oh, I saw that guy. Yeah, with his kids in the. He's a father who wants to end the family court racket so that his kids will never have to fear being taken away from them by government. It is a, it is a shame that we live in a country where that's a reality. Getting government down to the community level unites people, brings people in, and that's what we have the potential to do with this message. Thank you. Thanks Adam. for the, is that the a, time and mic flexibility a, there, everybody. Is that a goat being sacrificed in the front row? That's that's the best like buzzer I've heard. That's great. Uh, Vermin Supreme, Medicare. Elizabeth Warren. What would you do with Medicare, Vermin Supreme? Well, in the hypothetical and highly unlikely situation that I was president of America, the president can only do so much, blah, blah, blah. Um, of course, those who have uh, been promised Medicare and are receiving it under previous agreement and uh, veterans who are receiving vet care, uh, these are contracts. Uh, they're, uh, so the U.S. government obviously contractually obligated to uphold them at some point, so I would uh, maintain that's an important thing, whether that's through their privatization of it, as long as they can guarantee that care. And um, other than that, of course, uh, privatize it, free market, uh, platitudes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you. Kim Ruff. <laughs> he well, said okay. privatize it, free market platitudes, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> This guy, he's running a serious campaign. He's running a serious... And he's one of the top polling people. I don't know what the delegate whip count looks like right now, but in straw polls, uh, online straw polls and opinion polls, he's at in a, 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 he's either at or near the top of, of them. Right. Which says a lot about... And he talks about this. And he'll probably talk about this more in the debate. But he says, a vote for me is a vote wasted. Meaning a vote for me is saying... I don't take this process seriously. I don't think any of these people are telling the truth. So I'm going to vote for a person who acts, who portrays himself as a clown and to, to send a message that, you know, that we don't buy your nonsense anymore. Free market platitudes, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but anyway, here, here's Kim Ruff ideal answer for us as libertarians is that we would want to privatize health care. You have a right to life, but you don't have a right to health care. However, we are in a situation where we have made a commitment to people that who have banked on having that health care. So in order to phase it out entirely, we would have to basically put a moratorium on it. No new entrants. Anyone that we made a commitment to, we would continue to pay on that until that commitment runs its course. And then hopefully from that point on, it would become privatized and people would stop looking to government for the answer. Jim, Joe Jorgensen, Medicare. I think all libertarians understand that Medicare for all means Medicare for none. The problem with the old two parties is they keep focusing on how are we going to pay these bloated prices. Under their policy, expenses keep going up and up and up. What I would do is I would look at cutting the cost side so that expenses go down. And, of course, we need as many people into the free market as possible. That's part of the problem with Medicare is there are no free market competition. There's no free market competition to hold costs down. But to answer your last question, absolutely, I would follow through on the government, uh, following through on helping those who need it. Dan, taxation is that. Whoa, what was that last thing? Right. I'm going to help those who need it. Right. Is she saying, is there any chance you can rewind that and replay that one? Uh, good question, Matt. Hey, the, the best lion just signed in. Kelsey, thank you for joining us. Let me see what I can do here. 
theft vermin, Medicare. Well, taxation is theft, and that kind of ruins the whole. Uh, out of the way. Parties, as they keep focusing on how are we yeah, going to pay these prices. It's hard for me to go back prices. more because it's so under long. their policy, expenses keep going up and up and up. What I would do is I would look at cutting the cost side so that expenses go down. And it's of course, we need as many people into the free market as possible. That's Hold part on. of the problem with Medicare is there are no free market competition. There's no free market competition to hold costs down. But to answer your last question, go. absolutely, I would follow through on the government, uh, following through on helping those who need it. On the government's helping through, helping Following through on helping those who need it. Following through on, right. That is not a, she's now saying she's going to be utilizing the government to give Medicare. She literally just did what Vermin was making fun of. Free market platitudes, et cetera, et cetera. She started with, oh, we need free market competition. We need a free market. We need a free market. And then she's like, yeah, also the government needs to help those who need it, meaning the government decides who need things, who needs things. But Vermin's not the serious candidate. Right. Anyway, go ahead. Dan, taxation is theft. Vermin, Medicare. Well, taxation is theft, and that kind of ruins the whole uh, healthcare system that we have right now. I've been to so many other countries, and I spend most of my time in Mexico, and I've really seen what happens. It's illegal to import medication into the United States that you can buy cheaper outside of the United States. That's and it's right. not because they're worried about quality control or anything like that. It's actually manufactured in the United States and exported, and you just can't bring it back in. And it's cheaper in other countries because they know people can't afford it. But here, they know they can price gouge us. They know we have all these systems in place where the government's going to have to pay for it. Really, the Democrats, as much as, as it sounds like maybe they're well-intentioned to say, look, we want to make sure that everybody has health care. It's a wonderful plan. Their plan is going to continue to keep the prices high. It's going to continue to keep the 1% of the corporations making millions of dollars on their investments, on their protected monopolies. And we are just going, all they're doing is they're getting more people to pay for it. They're getting more people to share, and that 1% is still going to get it. That means the healthy people are also going to be paying, the sick people are going to be paying, and it's a ripoff. Ken Armstrong. Well, our simple libertarian answer is obviously that the government doesn't uh, make things more affordable and, and everything they run, they run into the ground. So uh, clearly I'm, I'm not in favor of a Medi Medicare for all plan. But bigger than that is the, the damage that is being done to our children and our grandchildren by this mountain of debt that we're accruing right now. Uh, it, our, our debt to, to gross domestic product ratio right now is 103%. We owe more than we're making. And, and you know, if, if you did that in your own life, that spells bankruptcy. I think right now we've got the right guy in the White House to manage a bankruptcy. He's been pretty good at that in the past, so maybe that's what he has in mind. All right. Uh, the uh, random uh, generator here wants... So real quick, Matt... Scale of 1 to 10, how depressed are you that these people who largely are saying stuff we agree with are getting tens and hundreds of people tuning in, maybe thousands of people tuning into what they have to say, as opposed to Democrats and Republicans who argue with each other over which one's more horrible? 
Um, <clears throat> I'm actually not all that. I'm not. I, I'm not all that depressed. Okay. Because when I, I'm not, because you have you have this uh, field of candidates right now, and you've got uh, Kim Ruff, Dan Berman, Adam Kokesh, Vermin Supreme, Joe Jorgensen, and uh, Ken Armstrong. You can take Ken Armstrong. He's not libertarian. And no, he's not. Every, an, every answer he is giving is not a libertarian answer. It, it is an answer that is constitutional. So you may be able to put him in the constitutionalist, but he is not libertarian in his answers. Yeah, I agree but with that. The, the answer that he gave on the uh, Medicare he didn't really say anything about it. He said, first, what we need to hand, like, he didn't say anything about Medicare. He just said, we need to worry about spending. Yep. We need to look at spending and, oh, we, we're spending more than, we're spending more money than we have coming in. So right. we need to cut that down. He didn't focus on what he would do with the Medicare and how he would fix that. Right. Um, Joe Jorgensen, like, you know, like you said, free market platitude, et cetera, et cetera. It was so- we, need the, we need the government to help us. Vermin literally said what she was going to say, and right. then she had, couldn't help but do exactly that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say that you've got Kim and Dan, who are probably the most principled in terms of free market libertarianism. And then you've got Vermin, who is a self-described, you know, left and anarchist. Credit, credit to Adam where it's due. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll give. I'll, yeah, that's true. I, I will give Adam that. He's been giving good answers and and. I find he, he myself like he's been giving great answers. Adam Adam is really good at giving the correct, the answer, correct answer and not right. making it sound like he's just saying a bumper sticker or one of the statements that all of us have memorized. Right, right. He was the one guy that got at the convention, he got a fairly hearty clap from me when he said that the constitution was a usurping of power from the Articles of Confederation. And I was trying not to clap because I was recording each of the speeches and I couldn't help myself. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah. So, and all right. So we'll just keep going with this. Supreme to ask the, or to answer the following uh, question first. Uh, again, ripped out of the news over the last uh, couple of weeks, President Trump announced that we were, he was going to withdraw or transfer some U.S. troops out of the Kurdish controlled part of Syria, uh, kind of get them out of the way for Turkey to do uh, what Turkey did, which is engage in, um, in some atrocities in, in Turkey. The president sold this as, hey, we should stop doing regime change wars in the Middle East, which I think a lot of people on the stage and in this room would ag agree with. Um, so there's a two-part question. Um, and maybe in mind with uh, your recent appearance on the uh, WTF uh, podcast uh, as well. Um, two-part is just how do you assess what Trump did in, with the troops in Syria, period? How, what, what do you think about that? And then perhaps trickier, um, assuming as most libertarian candidates uh, uh, favor withdrawing U.S. troops wherever and whenever possible. How do you do it in such a way that it doesn't end in atrocities? Uh, well, I, I believe there were so few troops involved that it was very marginal, and uh, he did not really withdraw them. He just moved, he shuffled them around, essentially sold out the Kurds, and uh, that certainly stiffs the U.S. in any sort of foreign entanglements that they might want to enter into the future. 
Um, I think we can just take it back to the basic uh, libertarian platform that we do not stand for any uh, foreign entanglements and uh, that we, do, we maintain a military only as big as we uh, need to protect ourselves from a foreign invasion and uh, that we keep it, keep it real and keep it chill and uh, don't, don't be uh, going overseas uh, to all these uh, wars and endless wars, etc. So I, I think it's a, as far as Trump's little move, it's an illusion. It's a geopolitical fuck-up. Um, and uh, what was the rest of the question? That's about it, yeah. Okay. And, and once again, I am working on uh, universal pony care for all. You do get an apple a day, a sugar cube if you've been really nice. Unfortunately, if you break a leg, we have to put you down. That's the, the pony longest I've panels. ever heard Vermin go before bringing up the uh, pony care. Uh, Joe Jorgensen uh, assessing what President Trump did with troops in Syria, and then also the question of how do you manage sort of U.S. imperial withdrawal in such a way to not leave a, a populations vulnerable. Well, I certainly agree with Trump that we need to bring our troops home. If elected president, I would turn America into one giant Switzerland, armed and neutral, but enough forces to protect and defend American soil and American shores. From what? I would refuse to send one more young person over to foreign land to vote for foreign dictators for foreign intentions. In the end, I'm looking for peace, but peace through being one giant Switzerland. Adam Kokesh, you started tonight talking about your own uh, history. What, what do you think about Trump's move and how to manage withdrawal? Well, I actually think uh, Vermin's summation of the deception there was, was right on. It, oh, my Lord. It's, it's yeah, just he, the implant interfering with the signal. I'm, yeah, I'm he, serious. He all right, should, should we keep time. going with this one? Yeah, yeah all right. Time, all right. <laughs> uh, there's so much deception in our foreign policy. We get it through a corrupt mainstream media. We know that it's built on lies, but even deeper than that, that it was. A and so, real quick, pause this. Oh, hold on. Sure. All right. Go ahead. No, no matter what, um, no matter what you think of a candidate, uh, whether you like Adam, whether you hate Adam, whether not any of these candidates, it doesn't matter. I think this happens to other people as well. Um, this is going to throw off the rhythm that you have planned out. This is, you can tell it like Adam is actually a very charismatic speaker. Yeah. But this keeps throwing him off and you can, even though you can't see him, uh, you can hear it. You can feel it in the way that he's talking. Oh, of course. Yeah. Because every time he starts getting into his rhythm and getting that coquesh charm, he, is being thrown up because the mic just goes away. It's just like he'll be he'll be doing his thing, and then all of a sudden, it's... right? Then he has we... to then he has to kind of go back to okay, where was I? Where? How do I? Can I get back to that spot? And Adam is going to struggle with this the entire debate. The entire debate. The microphone problem. Yeah, I mean, th Matt, think about the times we've had technical issues, audio, video issues, and whatever. How much it screws with us, and you know. You're in front of a bunch of people, about 100 people or whatever, which he's used to, but you're in front of a bunch of people. You're trying to, you know, you know, talk in intelligently and articulately and make different points than every other libertarian or every other candidate on stage there so you don't just sound like a cookie cutter. And every time you're trying to get into your groove of what you're trying to say, it cuts off and everyone laughs. 
Right. Like, I mean, what? It, it's tough. Yeah, it, you know, you can argue, well, he got more time, but more time to what? To look like someone had it in for him. So I don't know if it was intentional or not, because then he would get other people's microphones and their theirs would mess up too. I mean, it was it was a, a, a it was unfortunate for him. I don't think I'm not sure I'd, I'd say anyone was intentionally trying to do anything to him, but it definitely was not. It was not helpful uh, for him to try to, you know, get a groove, um, uh, you know, with that to try to to try to do it. But yeah, it was pretty much the whole debate that this that this was on and off a, a problem. So it's a problem. So. He's still looking for a mic here. By yeah. The way. Did, what did you do? All right, I just get to stand a little closer to my friend Dan here. All right. It's obviously a very personal subject for me, so it's not hard to, to get to, to the importance of this because we are talking about matters of life and death. And you can't just talk about it as a matter of policy and the principle that's behind the message of libertarianism, of freedom, is so critical to a strong national defense. The fact is... Having a military makes us less safe. That's why the founders were against a standing army. And I don't just mean in the sense of the foreign adventurism that I was a part of and all the, the terrorists that we made by killing their families when they were innocent. But in a more fundamental sense, there's a reason why the founders advocated for a militia-based defense a rifle behind every blade of grass. You want to be like Switzerland? Take the defense away from the government. Give it back to the people. Kim Ruff. The first question was, how do I assess what Trump did? Yes. Usually with politics, what happens is we are fed one thing. We're told that this is being done in the best interest of X, Y, Z. And then invariably what they do is not even close to that. In this case, Vermin is absolutely right on the money. He was effectively sidestepping. We didn't take anybody back home. We said the words, but we didn't bring anybody back. We just said it. Insofar as preventing a vacuum that creates a terrible atrocity to occur, well, terrible atrocities will occur whether or not we create a vacuum. Right. And that is the lie that has been perpetuated forever to keep us involved in these entanglements. I reject it wholesale. What goes on in other countries is not our problem. We are not the world's police. It is not our job to have our finger in every pie. We have a responsibility to care for ourselves here at home. Instead of sending our men and women overseas to die on other soil and kill those there, let us come home completely. Ken Armstrong, who has a bit more experience with NATO, I think, than most people on this stage. That's right. Yeah, so Ken is actually a former NATO commander, Based as all yeah. good libertarians he's, are. He's literally about to say that. Oh, sorry. Right. I'm a former NATO-based commander and a NATO UN advisor in the Bosnian War. And the thing yeah. that I learned being in there. that kind of service is that war is a horrible thing. Uh, I don't love war any more than a firefighter loves fires. Um, I will say that... Uh, it's probably the one and only time this evening that you'll, say, you'll hear me say that I agree with Donald Trump. But I agree that we needed to pull the, the young American service members out of Syria. The problem is not that he did it. The problem is the way that he did it, and we could go into that for hours. 
But then he turned around and sent 3,000 young people to Saudi Arabia. Now, he's saying that they're advisors. If they were advisors, they could Skype it in from poolside in Vegas. <laughs> they don't need to go to... They're going there as human shields. Oh, wow. Dan, taxation is theft. Berman, take us home. Is this on? To quote Ron Paul, we just marched in, we can just march out. Now, I know a lot of people, they're worried because there are some pretty nasty people around the world, dictators, organizations that want to do some really bad things. But it's not our government's job to steal from people, to pay for arms, to send people over to these other places who have nothing to do with it and force them to surrender their lives for these causes. We need to, something else that, that not a whole lot of people are talking about is we need to ground the drones. These drones are out there blowing up schools, hospitals, and weddings. It's, it's insane what we're doing. Now, the concern is what do we do about all, this, all these tragedies around the world with all these dictators? There are plenty of people who are from there who I know people personally who have gone to these places from America to go fight for their family. Some as soldiers, some as doctors. We can all do that voluntarily, but we can't steal from people and force others to engage in these things. Thank you, Dan. The uh, randomizer, again, likes Adam Kokesh. He'll get the uh, first crack at the following okay, question. Okay, guys, uh, uh, we so are... before we go any further, as I, as I mentioned before, we, have some, uh, we had some really cool, really cool interviews that we did called Red Carpet Interviews. And uh, that's really weird how I can see that portion of my body just just boxed right. out. Yeah, um, boxed out. we did these really good, cool red carpet interviews. Shout out to Desiree Lindsay for the idea of taking a tiny red carpet to do interviews with. Uh, shout out to my phone for sucking and not working. And so, because of my phone, which I'm shouting out to, uh the we ended up having a situation where we couldn't actually hook up a mic to shout out to matt's iphone for not being able to just take a regular microphone jack like a phone just a normal phone could and spike's phone for not having cloud storage so he could just store everything on the cloud and also true (laughs) yeah so shout out to just a lot of different things and so because of this the audio is not great so I did noise reduction, but I also had to add captions so that you can hear what they're so that you can read what they're saying. But uh, really fun interviews. The first one with Matthew Hicks, who is uh, um, just a beautiful man. He's also the uh, new second vice chair of the Libertarian Party, and he was the head of security at the day's event. And uh, you're going to really enjoy that fact in a moment. Hey everybody, Spike Cohen here at the South Carolina Libertarian Party post-debate event, social. social. I'm here doing a red carpet interview with the beautiful and talented Mr. Matt Hicks. Matt, how are you doing? Uh, thank you for asking. You look amazing. Who are you wearing? This is Versace. It's uh, no, it's cotton. It's, it's fair trade cotton. Fair trade, cotton. fair trade woven and spun cotton. This is absolutely amazing. You have come here. This is hashtag sizzling. Hashtag sizzling. So, what do you think about? What happened today at the convention? Which part? The convention first. The convention first. Well, what I think happened at the convention is that uh, somewhere around eight-ish, I started drinking scotch. 
And somewhere around 11-ish, I was out of scotch. Right. So then I started drinking beer. And then somewhere around right now, <laughs> drinking beer. That's also fair trade. It's know? fair trade Miller Lite. Fair, trade, fair Miller trade Miller Lite. Miller Lite, fair trade. Because, because by God, we don't want uh, brown people oppressed for my beer. Right. We don't, we don't want um, uh, trade uh, imbalance. No. Oh, God. Yeah. So, and then at the debate, what was your, what was your, what was your, uh, your hot take on that? A hot take is that nobody's radical enough. Nobody's radical enough. If it were me running for president, which I'm not for plenty of really good reasons, every question would have been answered with, fuck you, am I being detained? But no, that was never the answer. Yeah, no, it was kind of disappointing. It was. So, as you know, when you're not strutting your stuff out for the world, uh, you're fighting uh, your local school yeah. for being incredibly corrupt. Yeah. Um, so, what do you have to say to people that think uh, that it's racially what I have to say to anybody that thinks that is that they can just go kick rocks. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Bottom line of it, as far as I'm concerned and as far as you all should be concerned, is be bold, be fearless. You know what the hell is right. Do it. Live your fucking principles. Quit being cowards. That's what I have to say. You look amazing. Thank you. And you. And you, what is this? This is actually Versace. It's beautiful. Um, this is also hand-woven. This tiny hand-woven microfibers by, um, like, Vietnamese pygmies. Um, it's really, it's like a big deal right now. It's wonderful. I love it. And shine is just amazing. So I can't wait to see you shine up there. Thank you so much. You want to make out a little bit? So it got weird after that, and I, I cut off that, the making out. Yeah, because they do. It got it got a bit much. It got a bit much, guys. But uh, but yeah. So uh, so we have a few of those to go through. He was definitely the best dressed Tyler. Um, he was. He was definitely the best dressed. I thought he was Jesus until I was reminded of the dude, uh, from uh, from the Big Lebowski. Uh, but he also looked like Jesus. But um, so anyway, without further ado, here is Back the. the what's that? Back to back to the debate. Back to the debate. Uh, living through uh, what I think can safely be described as a bipartisan um, anti-social media freakout. Um, there's a bit of a panic, uh, or at least a very concentrated amount of concern uh, paid towards Trump derangement syndrome. Um, no, no, no. Uh, it's a, it's more like a Silicon Valley derangement syndrome, if anything else. Both a Democratic Party and Republican Party each in their different ways are agreeing on new ideas about regulating Facebook, regulating Twitter, um, gotcha. talking about uh, uh, what kind of advertisement should be uh, allowed, not even like getting into algorithms. Ted Cruz is very, very upset about right. how many retweets he's getting and not getting. Uh, so my question is, um, in your assessment, do, do the big tech companies, your Amazon, your Google, your Apple, um, Facebook, Twitter, do they have too much power? Just especially on things having to do with free speech. And then what, if anything, should the federal government do about that? That's a great question. I have, well, is that, is that too, a little too loud for everybody? I'll just moderate it a bit. Blow All right. Uh, oh, yes. This is an Chris, issue that's a little personal yes. to me from having built a career around a YouTube channel. Spent a lot of time, put a lot of hours in, building it up to a quarter million subs, some 70-something million views. 
And you used to be able to make an income doing that. This has affected a lot of YouTubers, a lot of people in independent media, a lot of people you know who you might have gotten your news from in the past. And right now, we're getting proportionally to those subscribers about 1 25th of the exposure that we're supposed to get. It's really easy to complain. This is a huge problem. And it's really tempting to turn to government and say, let's break up the monopolies. Let's, let's fight this power that shouldn't exist. Are they too powerful? Absolutely. But more importantly, their power is not legitimate. It comes from a government policy of corporatism that favors big business. You take that away, if they're going to be powerful, make, it, make them earn it and subject them to real competition. Ken Armstrong. Is big tech too big? Does the government have a role in changing the federal government the, the way that it is regulated? You know, it seems to me that a real good idea for government is if anybody ever starts making trouble for them, they ought to just regulate the hell out of them because that'll make sure that they can't make trouble anymore. I think the, the biggest problem with social media, uh, although I do absolutely agree that uh, federal regulations, corporatist mentality and government have made them bigger than they need to be. But the biggest problem with social media is the problem they present for the government because the government has such a hard time controlling them. Kim Ruff. With respect to the question on whether or not these tech companies have too much power, only in the sense that they do get benefits from the existence of government. They're too entrenched, and they are powerful because of that symbiotic relationship. If that symbiotic relationship was completely destroyed, and it was indeed left up to the free market to decide, any success that they have would be on their own merit. And so far as politicians being bothered about not getting the tweets that they desired, well, maybe you should step up your game and your content. <laughs> Joe Jorgensen, is big tech too big, and should something be done? Yes, big tech is too big. However, we've got to look at how it got there to begin with. Yes, corporate uh, legislation and rules have gotten us there. But also what a lot of people don't look at is some of the government research and some of the government practices given away free to some of these companies and so rather than doing their own R&D or rather than inventing their own things, uh, taxpayers end up helping them create some of these platforms and then they get to profit from us, not the taxpayers. Dan, taxation is theft. Berman. Yes, these businesses are too big. Yes, they have too much power. And yes, something should be done about it. We should leave. We have the freedom to leave, and there are so many other platforms. Float.app. The problem is most people look at those platforms and say, oh, well, that's not legitimate. Why aren't they legitimate? Why don't they have that feeling of legitimacy? Why? Because where's Trump? Trump's on Twitter. Where are all the people on CNN and, and all the big-name mainstream media? Where are they? They're all on Twitter, Facebook. Some of them are getting on Instagram and some of the newer ones, YouTube. But guess what? None of them are moving over to other places that, that are considered dark web, maybe. Um, but there are so many other places that we can take our business. And when we do that, we get the real message by sites that are not using algorithms to filter what we see. But the reality is people don't want to because they feel safe on Facebook. You could go to Reddit. That's almost mainstream, and there's a lot of information there. But a lot of people get angry when they go to Reddit. They get into fights. So they feel much safer with their friends and family back over on Facebook. This is a change that needs to come from the people not from government. 
and Vermin Supreme. Agreed all around. Uh, yes, it's very big, and yes, something should be done. Um, as a meme, of course, I would cease to exist if it was not for the Internet. So I welcome the Internet. I love the Internet like Brett Kavanaugh loves beer. And um, so I, I just think it's very important that we should really um, free up all the censorship, all the government regulations over the uh, Internet needs to be uh, destroyed, all those ridiculous uh, alphabet soup things that they uh, put forth to... Uh, uh, Gum up the works, if you will, need to be uh, thrown by the wayside. And yes, free the internet, free the people, uh, decentralize, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you. Beautiful. Free market. Et cetera, et cetera. Free market. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, are these social media companies too big? Yeah. Yeah. They are. Uh, but they're too big because we continue to go to them. Uh, a lot of people say the Republican Party and the Democratic Party have too much control, but then they say the Libertarian Party, the Green Party, the Constitution Party, the uh, American Socialist Party, the American Co uh, Communist Party, whoever. None right. of these parties are good enough. They're not going to make it. They're never going to beat these two parties. And it's the right. same thing with social media sites. So right now, currently, uh, our page on Facebook has been limited. We don't know why. Yep. We... Stories from our page are not being shown in news feeds, which is very, very apparent very to us. Very apparent, yeah. And uh, we are blocked from sharing any links for uh, the next week. Uh, we have no idea why. They haven't told us why. They won't tell us why. We've asked them why to let us know so that we can, if it was something we unintentionally did, that we'll never do it again. Because we have gone from having a reach in the last month, we had a reach of close to 5 million to having a reach of like, 10,000. I mean, it is right. it, It's a huge hit. We are currently having three and four times as many shares of our content as we are of any likes. That means people are sharing it and none of their friends are seeing it in their newsfeed. Right. Like, it's a huge, huge problem. They're way too big. Right. But, as we always say, go to float.app F-L-O-T-E dot app Yep. That is a social media site that you can go to and you won't deal with these issues. Yep. I'm but so many people go right over now. to it and they're like, well, no, my friends are on it. It's not really a legitimate site. You know, you know, it won't beat out Facebook. It has no chance to beat out Twitter. And it's all the same excuses on why they say third party uh, politicians won't ever win. Right. If everybody makes the switch, you, you win. And it's the same argument of if everybody votes libertarian, the libertarian will win. Or if everybody vote, votes Green Party, the Green Party will win. Or if the, everybody votes Democratic Socialist, the, they'll win. If everybody votes Constitutionalist, the Constitutionalist, um, the Constitution Party, uh, Constitution Party candidate will win. Now, you have a very strange look on your face, and I'm terrified. Kelsey uh, Lyon just sent me... On her app, she typed in Muddied Waters Media, and it said no data available. And she said, I had to go to your Facebook to find the live feed. Currently, if you want to see anything from Muddy Waters Media, you have to actually visit our page or be tagged in it. And then manually go through our timeline and look for stuff. You're not going to be notified that anything has happened, even if you're following us. You're not going to see it in the news feed. Again, hopefully this ends whenever this... this temporary restriction ends because it's killing us but like matt said government's not the answer 
Government will make it way worse. Government will make you pay to get treated like this. Right. And, and worse. Right. The answer is us going over to Float and other other decentralized free market platforms that, yeah, they want to make money, but they also want a free ability to to be able to, uh, you know, communicate with each other and not be censored and not be, you know, uh, 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 um, you know, throttled. Yeah, shadow banned and throttled and, and just banned banned. So, so, yeah, but should the government do anything? No. no. We as people need to recognize that there is an issue, that there is a problem, and we need to look for alternatives. Just like in breaking the duopoly, we need to figure out if there is a way that we can break the stranglehold that places like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube have over the way that we communicate and the way we get our media out yeah i agree i agree so the uh the randomizer wants uh, dan taxationist theft berman to answer the following question uh first we are living through a moment when almost all of the democratic presidential ca- candidates are in favor of legalizing marijuana this was not the case four years ago and it certainly was never the case before that um it's becoming uh, it's legal now in how many states, people? Nine, something like that, recreationally. Um, definitely the momentum is going this this uh, this direction. So libertarians who have been talking about this since libertarians were a thing, um, from your perspective, what are the Democrats getting wrong in the way that they are going about legalizing marijuana and doing these kind of overdue criminal justice reforms? I think what they're doing wrong is they're – they're trying to do what they do best, be government and micromanage our lives. They see that the people want legalized cannabis and they say, okay, fine, we'll give it to you, but just a little taste. We're not gonna give you the whole thing. We wanna control how much you have. We wanna make sure the packages are labeled. We wanna make sure you can only buy it from people who are paying us enormous fees, taxes, people that we can rob. You have to buy it from them. You can't just, you can't grow your own, or if you do, you're very limited in what you can do. Not a single one of them will say, you're free people. Go do whatever you want. That's their problem. They don't understand or respect freedom. Kim Ruff, in what way are our new weed-legalizing friends in the Democratic Party doing it wrong? They are doing it wrong in the sense that, just as Dan said, they are trying to effectively regulate it to the point of not even it's a it's a pittance basically you have the ability to have marijuana however you have to pay licenses if you want to be a distributor you have to get a medical marijuana id in arizona in our case if you want to consume it you have to pay taxes on it so they're still very heavily entrenched in your lives the best way for them to actually deal with it effectively is to tackle it on the federal level and completely end the war on drugs as it stands at least in the state of arizona where both adam and i live we have medical marijuana However, because of overarching federal legislation, if I wanted to get a medical ID card, well, then I can kiss my firearms goodbye because I won't be sold any. So that's where we really need to tack it is at the federal level. And that's where they're failing. Joe Jorgensen, what can libertarians teach Democrats about criminal justice reform? Yes, first of all, there is still a law, a federal law, outlawing it. So that's the first thing that needs to be done is to get rid of the federal law. Joe Jorgensen, by the way, 10 years ago would have said that this is not a question that she feels like the voters care about. Yeah, 20 years ago, definitely. 20 years ago, she would have said she's in favor of keeping it illegal. 10 years ago, she would have said, this is not a question I'm going to ever answer. 
she's answering it now because Republicans and Democrats are comfortable answering it. Uh, as, as a federal candidate, that's all I could do. However, I can speak and I would talk with state representatives and local representatives. And for instance, in California, there are still places where you have to get a license in order to, or, uh, you, in order to open up a store, for instance. You have to get a certain license. Uh, something like 40% of what customers pay goes straight to the government. And in fact, instead of... Uh, illegal marijuana going down, it's actually gone up because it's still just as profitable because it's uh, controlled so much by the government. So what we need to do is get rid of those regulations and make it truly illegal and not just pay lip service to the word illegal or legal. Yeah, I think she meant legal. Adam Kokesh. She meant legal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good call, really. Time flies when you're having fun, huh? All right. Well, I love this issue. Thank you for bringing it up, Matt and uh, Vermin. It's not just because uh, I love weed as much as Brett Kavanaugh loves beer, but uh, (laughs) it's such an important subject. What's that? Did Matt Welch just call him out for being high? Yeah. To the understanding of freedom. How many of you think Cheeto Jesus never smoked pot? I mean, that's insane. And the fact that he is overseeing a system that criminalizes marijuana smokers is the height of hypocrisy. And it's so obvious, it's so laid bare now in the age of the internet. The reason this is an important issue that really gets to the heart of freedom and is such an effective gateway, I'm proud to say that we have stoners for Kokesh now with G.I. Mary Jane leading the cause here. Because when you realize that government says, you can't put that in your body, They're saying, you don't own yourself. And the millennial generation, people who grew up in the age of the internet, we're not going to put up with that crap any longer. This is the end of the drug war. We get to make it happen. Vermin Supreme. Free the weed. Free the also high right now. The people, let my people go. Release all nonviolent offenders. I smoke dope. I smoke grass. If you don't like it, you can kiss my ass. The government has no business in this business, and the government has no business doing any business, period. Thank you very much. I'm Vermin Supreme. He yelled that chant at uh, Chris, Chris Christie. Chris Christie in the CVS parking lot. Yeah, the CVS parking lot. While after, Chris being kicked out of the, after being kicked out of the steakhouse, he then went to, yeah. Yeah, he walked across the street and he started screaming at Chris Christie. It works for him. It's been a standby for many years. Good for him. And Ken Armstrong. You know, there's not a single right that we have that the government gives us. We give the government a very narrow and enumerated sets of rights and controlling what we... You nailed it. He's a constitutionalist. He's a constitutionalist. And it's, it's not that we give them rights. It's that we restrict what they are allowed to do. Right. And they flout that. We do in the privacy of our own lives is really not the right of the government. So the question of legalizing marijuana has nothing to do with whether I like marijuana or... This is ASMR constitutionalism, by the way. Free speech it, it depends on whether what you say is something I like or not. 
It is your right to live freely in your life, period. Next round of questioning will start with Kim Ruff, uh, perhaps appropriately enough since it's about what someone might do in the practical world of being a president, which is a, a, a note that you hit. Uh, a president at the executive branch has a lot of leeway, as we have seen the last three years, uh, in enforcing and setting the terms of immigration law in particular. It's a federal government role, much more than a state government role, uh, and no, numbers of refugees can change and all kinds of different things can change. So thinking about being the president of the United States, what would you change in the current way that the executive branch is enforcing or regulating or dealing with immigration as it stands now? Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, as libertarian advocates for the free movement of people, there should be no restraints or constrictions to who comes here if they want to be here, just as there should be no restraints on to who wants to leave should they desire to do so. You should not restrict the movement of people, period. Insofar as the federal government goes, we have created all these absurd constraints and criteria for whether or not you qualify to come here and live in America. And a lot of them are incredibly punitive to some of the places where we've been trifling in their foreign affairs. This concern about refugees from Syria, this concern about people from the Middle East who want to come here and we're afraid we're going to end up with terrorists, well, we created that very situation when the CIA went in and overthrew the Shah. This happens over and over and over again. If we want to actually allow people to be truly free, we have to radically change our foreign policy approach. That's where we start, and we allow people to come in and live here and contribute to our economy by being part of our brain trust. Vermin Supreme, how does the pony toothbrush uh, regime uh, affect immigration? I read 3.4 uh, uh, from the Libertarian Party platform, free trade and migration. We support the removal of government impediments uh, to free trade, political freedom, and escape from tyranny, demand that individuals not be unreasonably constrained by government in the crossing of political boundaries. Economic freedom demands the unrestricted movement of human as well as financial capital across national borders. That's all. Joe Jorgensen. That was a that's a good answer. That was a good answer. He actually does that a lot. He'll he'll say, well, I'll refer to the Libertarian Party platform. You're going to disagree with the Libertarian Party platform as a Libertarian? Okay. I, 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 it's a stroke of genius. First, I'd like to say I'm the grandchild of immigrants. Yes, I believe in immigration. Yes, we need to have more productive people come into our country. Oh, right now it takes about eight years even for those who can come over. So we need to speed that up and we need to uh, certainly knock down some of those barriers and get as many people here as we can who can help improve our country. Ken Armstrong, what should the executive branch do? How should the president change his or her approach? Towards well, I'd like to say that we could have everything we want all at once, but sometimes you have to move the ball down the field incrementally. You don't get to make a touchdown on every play. But what I would love to do in the first increment is establish an international free trade zone on certainly on our southern border, could go on our northern border as well, have it be a totally voluntary opt-in sort of thing. We're not going to confiscate any land, 
but the people who own the land at the borders can decide whether they want to sell it to entrepreneurs to, to operate in the free trade zone. We can have cultural exchange in the free trade zone. I'm going to borrow one idea from, from uh, my friend Larry Sharp, who said that we should have two Ellis Islands on the southern border, and I really think that's a wonderful idea inside the free trade zone. Have consular offices open 24 hours a day because one of the biggest problems that we have is visa overstays. We need to make consular offices available. Dan, taxation is theft. Berman, as the only person up here whose campaign office is headquartered in Cancun. That's right. So one thing that I think is really important to understand with immigration is the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The entire immigration debate is driven by fear. We're told, oh, there's rapists and murderers coming. There are plenty of those in cities like, I don't know if I should name them, but Detroit and some of the other ones that have higher crime rates than most of the cities in Mexico. But we're told we should be afraid of Mexico. Are people migrating out of Detroit into all these other cities and sending all their bad people and drugs and everything? No. Are all the drugs coming out of Colorado into the other states now that, now that cannabis is legal? Not really, not any more than it was before. But all of this is fear-driven, and most of this is just completely irrational fear. And so we need to really understand, and, and when people talk about this, we need to reassure people that if we fix some of the bigger problems first, like the war on drugs, then any problems that might actually exist will actually go away because the war on drugs is happening on both sides of the border and it's going to happen until it's over. And it doesn't matter how solid that border is. We need to end the war on drugs. Thank you, Dan. And Adam Kokesh, you're the last here, and maybe you can uh, address it from your standpoint of someone who wants to put the federal government into bankruptcy and have a lot of localization. Immigration has largely been a a federal uh, concern. How does your approach square with that? My second favorite socialist running for president after Tulsi Gabbard is the orange creamsicle in the White House. And it is maddening. It is absolutely maddening to hear people speak out against socialism and all the ills of it and then say, oh, but that doesn't apply to border control. Oh, that doesn't apply to the military. Oh, that doesn't apply to the police. No, the exact same problems with socializing defense and protection services and public safety services are just as bad as with anything else. And when you see how that ill has plagued America, you understand why we are failing so bad in these regards. As it comes to borders, the question is not how to manage government borders. The question is, are we going to embrace the reality that the only legitimate borders are private property borders and that government borders can't exist as enforcement points in respect for private property? You have the right to decide who you associate with and the only way that right is going to be exercised is if we get government out of the way. I appreciate uh, Adam's uh, name check of Tulsi Gabbard because that's going to lead us to our next round of question, who's uh, the first uh, recipient or answerer uh, will be uh, Kim Ruff here. And this will be the the final question of the first half of the debate. I'm arbitrarily creating halves here since we got a late start. Uh, Dan Fish will will get up after this question and give – a little tap dance, a little soft shoe, uh, and then we'll uh, go in the second half uh, getting yeah, a little we will bit more personal about uh, things, uh, hopefully. Um, uh, but anyways, um, so 
Tulsi Gabbard, there are, uh, she's a, a fan of, or you know, there's a lot of libertarians who are fans of hers, a lot of Ron Paul fans who are interested in her anti-war candidacy. There are also a couple of Republicans who are running who have a history with either the Libertarian Party, as Bill Weld does, or with the word libertarian. Mark Sanford has described himself that way for 15, 20 odd years um, and is running a campaign about the debt. Question to you is, which person currently running in one of the two bigger parties for president, would you welcome the most to drop what they're doing and join the Libertarian Party? <laughs> oh, God. Matt. Oh, come on. <laughs> Talk about a gotcha question. Who would I welcome the most? Well, if you're really going to make me do the lesser of two evils, then I suppose I'll go with Tulsi. But above and beyond that, I don't think any of them would necessarily qualify as libertarians. There's a lot to our belief system, and it all hinges on this core respect of human rights, our natural rights to life, liberty, and property. She's right on the money with her anti-war stance, and I greatly appreciate the fact that she's actually putting it out there, and to some extent, mainstream media is picking up on it, because the anti-war left has been suspiciously silent for a very, very long time. However, she also wants to give you a chicken in every pot and Medicare for all and make sure that you have, you know, basic minimum, like universal basic income, which is antithetical to what we believe because that's a redistribution of wealth, which is theft and we reject it wholesale. So while they might be a little bit right, and I appreciate they're a little bit right, they're not libertarians. So I wouldn't necessarily be comfortable with them running on our ticket. Dan, taxation is theft. Berman, not even a question about running, but like, just come on in. Drop your party affiliation. I would like you, out of all the people running, to join us based on the values that I see that you have. Oh, based on their values? I would absolutely say Bernie Sanders because I think that might be the only chance I actually have to debate him. Um, <laughs> I like that answer. That's a good answer. I like that answer. Bernie's, Bernie's an interesting guy, and I get why a lot of people like him because he, he gives the vibe that he really cares about people and he wants to help people. Um, he points out some real problems, the, the, you know, the big 1% and the corporations and everything. Of course, he's completely clueless as to why they're the 1%, why they have power, and how to stop them. But I, I think he does bring attention to those points really well. And I would absolutely love to debate him on how to solve that problem by getting government out of the way, which gives those big corporations the power that they have so that we can actually be free and we can actually get rid of those by voluntarily taking our money elsewhere. Ken Armstrong, choose a major party libertarian. Yeah, okay. Well, I have to say first, in, uh, I was twice elected to office in Honolulu County, nonpartisan office. I knew Mike Gabbard, Tulsi's dad. Didn't know him well, but I knew the guy, and I knew him by reputation as well. And the family has a great deal of integrity, even though I disagree with them on nearly everything. But I have to say, that said... Just based on the integrity, the only person on either side right now that has the integrity that I believe we need to really deal with the truth in the Libertarian Party would be Tulsi. Vermin Supreme. Let's see. We already had Weld, right? <laughs> I love that answer. That's I such love a good it. answer. I believe someone want to check the bylaws on that one, but I, I believe the answer is yes. Okay, well, maybe we could send Beto to the freaking re-education center and teach him how to learn to love guns. He'd be okay. <laughs> Joe Jorgensen. 
So do I get to pick from either party? Yes, uh, okay. but it has to be a candidate, for, a declared candidate for president of the Democratic or Republican Party. Okay, being in this part of the state of South... I thought she was joking when she said this. She was not joking. Actually, I shouldn't have thought she was joking based on her response to Sarah at the convention. Carolina, I believe he's still a candidate. I think the right answer is Mark Sanford. Yes. Mark Sanford... Um, Wait. acted like a libertarian through most of his political career and a lot of people here were big fans even after his um, horrible indiscretion the people of uh, the state still elected him back to Congress uh, he's libertarian at heart and while I commend Tulsi Gabbard for her good no war stance Everything else about her is just wrong. I don't see any other libertarian leanings in her, but I do see many libertarian leanings in Mark Sanford. And that's, I, I just, she's a conservative. She's a conservative. I don't know she's why definitely she's definitely not a libertarian. She's not a libertarian. Mark Sanford is about as libertarian as Rand Paul, if Rand Paul was even less libertarian. He just likes using that term. He's not a libertarian. He's a fiscal hawk and a conservative. He's not a libertarian. It is depressing that there are anyone that wants her to be the candidate. But anyway, here we are. Adam Kokesh, will you be the only person sticking up for Bill Weld? Here's. I'm wasting all my time shaking my head here. Matt, you want me to tell you who my favorite current Republican or Democrat presidential candidate is right now? Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I do not have a favorite flavor of cancer. <laughs> now... What we're doing with this platform of localization is bringing people together. The politics of the duopoly is about divisiveness. And I was so excited this morning. It was like a, a second Christmas already, waking up this morning to an endorsement from former Green Party presidential candidate and six-term congresswoman from Georgia, Cynthia McKinney. And I'm very excited that she, in that endorsement statement, is actually encouraging people to come in to the Libertarian Party to be unified around this message of localization. I'm also the only candidate in this race who has been, as in my congressional race, endorsed by Ron Paul, and unfortunately will be the only one since he doesn't endorse Libertarians as long as Rand is in the Senate. But I think what we have proven is that this is a message that can bring people in from both parties. Thank you, Adam. Thus concludes our first half. We're going to welcome uh, Dan Fishman from the National Liberty. No, we're not. Um, yeah, that was a terrible question. Uh, so I guess we can do another red carpet. We're at the halfway mark. Um, let's see. Two of them say who the straw poll winner is, so i got to make sure not to do those ones um, until until the end. So here is my red carpet interview with Dan Taxationist Theft Berman. Hey everybody, Spike Cohen here from the South Carolina Libertarian Party uh, uh, debate after party 
candidate meet and greet social, and I'm here with Daniel Taxationist at Berman. Daniel, absolutely. You look absolutely amazing. Who are you wearing? Um, this is a taxation stuff contour. Head yourself. This is beautiful. Oh, is this fair, Chris? Uh, what do you mean by fair? Do you feel fair <laughs> that you got this? I didn't pay any taxes on it, so yes. Okay, so it, it is fair, Chris. Yes, thank you. How do you think I look? I think you look amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. I recently got this hat from Daniel Taxation Stuff Berman. Be sure to go to taxationstuff.com. I didn't proofread these. I hope I spelled right. Dot cards. Dot cards. Dot cards. Dot cards. Dot cards. cards. Dot cards. Dot com only takes you to Reddit. Well, that's not. I'm trying to get it. Taxation stuff. Dot cards. You get one of these. It's absolutely huge. You could also fear for So, Daniel, how do you feel about your points at the debate and your perception about it? Um. Well, it was pretty awesome going in. I got a little bit nervous in the middle because I was like. Um, I was like, uh, I think I need a joint. <laughs> and I was like, um, they're asking all these questions, but they're kind of the same questions we've already had. And I'm like, is somebody going to ask me about heroin? Am I going to legalize heroin? Because let's get some interesting questions going here. But other than that, it was, I mean, it was pretty awesome. you want to legalize heroin? Do I want to? Yes, absolutely. Okay, good. Plutonium? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> because plutonium, as we know, is created by the government using their bullshit nuclear reactors instead of switching to thorium, which would make the environment like cleaner for everybody. Well, this is but that converts into plutonium when you create energy your nuclear reactor creates plutonium which is then what the government takes to make nuclear weapons thorium is so much better thorium is like clean nuclear energy it's the nuclear energy of the 22nd century thorium if we make it that far we're living in 2019 this guy's in 2199 that's where the, this is when this hat becomes like whatever he's wearing. So where did, where did this hat come from? It's another Dodge, right? Like where are the manufacturers? Well, like, did you write a custom name? Oh, this one or this one? Oh, no, 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 this one right here. This one, this one came from a, uh, a place. <laughs> I mean, that's not wrong, is it? I mean, technically, yes, it would come from the place. Is this, is this, is this a, is, can others get this as well? They can, but I'm not going to tell them where. So they have to find the place. Yes. But that's on there. Yes. That's fair. Yes. Um, so fair trade. <laughs> fair trade. Um, so where do you go from here? What's what's your next step? Where are you going back to? I'm going back to Cancun, and then I'm going to Oli in New York, and then to no, I'm going to Buffalo, New York, and then Oli in New York, and then Mount Upton, New York, and then maybe New York City, depending on schedules. So of course you had you had the situation where you were a supporter of the and. One of your hats, and uh, it ended up getting uh, tragic. Tragic. Now, were they suspended or just one of the Suspended, illegally. Okay, so what is your message to all the good little boys and girls? Get suspended because you'll learn so much better at home than you will by the tyrants at your local public school. Drop out, please. Dan, thank you so much again thank for you. joining me for this red carpet interview. So, two things there. Uh, and I'm actually, oh, by the way, uh, Daniel Taxation and Steph Berman is going to be my guest next week, next Wednesday at 8 p.m. 
uh, on My Fellow Americans, making a, a grand return this month. Um, and I'm going to have to find out more because he, he I felt like he dodged my two questions. One was the uranium, which I think he was just making the point that the government uses uranium to make plutonium. But I just want to make sure that he thinks that should be decriminalized. And then also where his hat came from. He didn't lie. It came from a place. It did come from a place. So I want uh, real quick. Today is election day. Also known as Autumn Cherub Tuesday. Autumn Cherub Tuesday. Ukrainian Autumn Tuesday. Right. Um, and in the Kentucky governor's race with 100% reporting, uh, the Democrat Andy uh, Bashir has 49.2% of the vote, while Matt Bevin, the incumbent, has 48.9% of the vote. So we can roughly say that uh, that's nowhere near over. That's going to, nobody's going to come out saying that somebody's a winner in this one right now. What, wh- how much does the Democrat have? 49.2 to 48.9. Ooh, in Kentucky? In Kentucky. Yee. I think that this might end up being a really ugly cycle for Republicans. Yeah, it looks like uh, right now Bashar leads Matt Bevin by 4,658 votes. I mean, it's still... And, and you don't know... There may be big pockets that are still left to be counted that will help him or help her, you know, Bashir or whatever. You don't really know. I don't know Kentucky well enough to be able to tell you that, but that's a close race. That's a that's a really close race. That's not where you expect to be as a Republican running for governor in Kentucky. Right. It says that all precincts are reporting, but I mean, no matter what, I, I, I believe that's going to go to a recount. Does it say it's 100% counted? Uh, it just says 100% reporting. It doesn't say 100% counted. Oh, okay. And nobody, like, nobody's calling this. Okay. Yeah, no no one's going to call that. All right, so let me fish through this. ...party to come up and say that you support these candidates. A few hundred or a few... And I love seeing... ...on occasion. Okay. Uh, you support these candidates because they're representing something that's so vital to your life representing the end of government intrusion. So I want to hand it back to Matt. Thank you guys very much. Oh, that was I thought that was Matt a longer Mathis. speech. Thank you, Dan. All right. I uh, also want to, um, to uh, shout out to... What the hell did you do, Fishman? Uh, to the uh, South Carolina Libertarian uh, Party uh, in... Preparation of all this, uh, if you look on the website, they have uh, they asked the same uh, uh, 10 questions to all the candidates. I think four of the six uh, answered there. But it's a pretty useful information uh, to riff uh, from, not least of uh, which uh, Joe Jorgensen apparently has a pretty serious Axel Rose problem uh, here that uh, I think we're going to spend most of the second half of the debate uh, talking about. Okay, we're going yeah, to that's, go that's into... that's definitely her problem. Yes, please. Nope, you can't. That's... So, ah, there we go. Yes. Yeah, I have, I have a rebuttal for you, Matt. Yes, actually, 
You shouldn't be asking a bunch of libertarians who our favorite Democrats and Republicans are. You should be asking Republicans and Democrats who their favorite libertarians are. And, and we really need to turn that mentality around. And I will say for all the great candidates on this stage, echoing what Dan Fishman said, you see how the old parties get behind their candidates now? We need to build that culture. That's why I've been running for, uh, for almost two years now, so that we could build the organization, build the momentum, and have things in place. Let's step up our game and flip the script on them. Adam, if I didn't ask that question, I wouldn't give you a golden opportunity to rebuke the moderator and look better in the eyes of the audience. So, <laughs> Allow the set of the volleyball on occasion. Okay, um, so we're going to talk uh, more on personal uh, uh, things in this second half here. Uh, first of all, everyone, uh, their Axel Rose story. Uh, but beyond that, um, actually, I need to hit the randomizer here. Sorry. Again. And uh, Ken Armstrong is going to go first, which is, uh, which is cool. Uh, I want to hear from each of you an honest answer to the best of your uh, ability. Um, what single bit of the Libertarian Party platform do you either disagree with the most or just sort of makes you most uncomfortable as you agree with it? Ken Armstrong. Oh, and I have to be honest this time? <laughs> I didn't know he was going to throw that one in on us. It's the um, second half. It's the whiskey part. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, I, I'm actually very comfortable with the platform. The difficulty comes in selling it to people who don't understand what we're about. And that takes a little bit of one-on-one, -on -one, a little bit of honest conversation. When we talk about things like... Uh, decriminalizing sex trades. You know, it's not because we want to dehumanize women. It's because the government has never done a good job of controlling things like that. So I, I, while I'm, I'm very, very comfortable with the platform, sometimes we need to do some very personal one-on-one -on -one to sell it. Berman Supreme, is there any part of the Libertarian Party platform that you don't I cannot wait for this response. makes you feel uncomfortable? Not that I will admit to. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent answer. Adam Kokesh, except the part about debate moderators, do you agree with everything in the Libertarian Party platform? <laughs> I love the party platform, especially the statement of principles, and I love seeing our secretary, Karen Ann Harlow, is going out as the big history buff in the Libertarian Party, preserving documents and getting that out there and understanding why we are so committed and what makes us the party of principle going back to the first national convention when we came up with this idea of having something that is so built in, protected by the seven-eighths rule within the Libertarian Party platform at, with the statement of principles. It is, we, the members of the Libertarian Party, challenge the cult of the omnipotent state and defend the rights of the individual. I've heard it read at state party gatherings like it's straight out of the Bible. It is beautiful. Now, there's one thing that I think is a critical shift in how we present it. I will say there's one thing I'd like to add, and that's localization. I know it's covered in different ways, but that we get government down to the voluntary community level with the everybody gets what they want strategy. We can communicate this message that much more powerfully and reach that many more people. Very good. Dan, taxation is theft. Berman, any part of the platform you're uncomfortable with? I'd really like to see taxation and theft sprinkled around a few more times. <laughs> um, there's, I, I think it's chapter four, section 17, where there's a, a missing Oxford comma. 
Um, I, no, I really think the, the platform is really great. I think most of it's designed around the, the basic idea of the non-aggression principle of self-ownership and self-responsibility. And the idea that we don't need government to micromanage our lives, there's no way they can. There's no way that a few hundred or a few thousand or however many politicians we have at whatever, whatever level of government, there's no way that they know us individually well enough to know what's right for us. And I think that's pretty well laid out in every single platform that's in there. Kim Ruff, platform. Yeah, it's funny. I, I don't disagree with any aspect. I don't think he likes Kim because he doesn't, when he'll ask her questions, he doesn't like reiterate what the question was about. He kind of throws it at her quickly. I know the randomizer is choosing who gets the question, but I don't know. It just feels like he's being kind of rough on her, but maybe I'm just partial. He's being kind of rough on rough. He's being kind of rough on rough. Huh? 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 of the platform. In fact, the platform is precisely why I changed my voter registration in 2005 to become a libertarian because it was such a beautiful articulation of our values and beliefs. He was a little rough on her, huh? Starting with, of course, the statement of principles. So with that in mind, what I'd like to talk about instead is some of the interesting questions I get asked running as a presidential candidate, which speaks more to how little people seem to understand what the actual role and function of the president is. I get asked about all sorts of things that are oftentimes I have to say, well, that's a, that's a state powers or thing. That's not something that the president has any impact on. Or, you know, what are you going to do about this issue? And, well, that's the legislature. I'm not running for the legislature. I'm running only for president, which is the executive branch. It's the enforcement arm of the state. I don't make laws. I can act as a functional bully pulpit. But above and beyond that, I have a very limited purview, as we should all have. So that's probably what I would disagree with. It's just how some of those ideas actually translate into that role. And Joe Jorgensen. Yes, I agree with the platform, and I've actually never registered or voted Democrat or Republican in the 40 years that I've been voting. In fact, when I moved to a state that I knew I was going to be there temporarily, I actually went through the trouble to get my voter registration card just so I could vote for Ron Paul, even though I was going to be leaving in a few months. So yes, I love the platform. That's why I'm part of the party. The only one that I would question is um, Harry Brown and Ron Paul did disagree with the abortion issue. And while they did a very good job of supporting the platform, uh, I, I wonder if maybe it would keep some people out uh, as far as who would say, yes, that's part of the right to life. And I'm not saying that, that the platform should become pro-life, but perhaps not have it there just so that uh, it doesn't keep some people from even considering us because we need to grow the party. And we need to grow the party with people who want life, liberty, and property. So what she's talking about there is, and I'll pull up the party platform. So oh. she just said that the Libertarian Party should put being pro-life in their platform basically or just not mention it at all she's a big fan of not mentioning what the libertarian party believes in order to get voters which seems a little ingenuine <laughs> so it says recognizing that abortion is a sensitive issue and that people can hold good faith views on all sides we believe that government should be kept out of the matter leaving the question to each person for their consci conscientious consideration 
which is sort of a standard issue libertarian answer. The government shouldn't be involved. Whatever you think about life, the government shouldn't be involved. And she's saying, let's remove that so that maybe pro-lifers might think we're pro-life. Now, I consider myself pro-life to the extent that I think personhood begins a lot sooner than a lot of pro-choice people do. I don't think it happens at birth. I don't think it I don't think it happens at conception, but I don't think it happens at birth. I don't know exactly when it happens, but I think it happens a lot sooner than a lot of other people do. And I also think the government should not exist. So that it definitely shouldn't be telling people when personhood begins and therefore when abortion should be legal or illegal. It also shouldn't be robbing us to pay for abortions or anything else. And again, she's a conservative. She's a conservative. Thanks, Joe. Uh, so this next question is, um, which will be uh, answered first appropriately. Twenty twenty sidestep to the White House. Yeah, really. No, it really is. It's, <laughs> it's just like literally, just let's not say what we think about stuff because it's it could offend someone. I think it's the, I think it's a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. What 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 they're pushing? I think it's a terrible idea. I don't know what what on earth the people who think she's a good pick. Gary Johnson did a better job answering questions than her. I don't get it. Um, is probably the single uh, most common question uh, brought to me on Twitter when I asked solicited questions. And this is uh, both of libertarians and non-libertarians alike. Um, and the question is prefaced by... The Libertarian Party has a problem in the view of a lot of these people asking this, these questions uh, with not being taken seriously. James Weeks, the strip tease in 2016, which is one of three things apparently a lot of people only remember from the 2016 campaign. Um, and here is Vermin Supreme showing up wearing a boot. That doesn't feel very serious. That's, that's actually detracting from the party's seriousness of message. Or maybe it's Dan, taxation is theft. Berman changing his name to taxation is theft and wearing a big yellow floppy hat or whatever. Fill in the blank. As someone who does put on the boot uh, and talk about ponies, how do you respond to that question that I get asked all the damn time? Thank you very much. That is one of the main concerns that I feel that I'm often confronted with. Uh, people ask me, they wonder, can a serious political party put up a perceived joke candidate and not be considered a joke party? I say yes. I believe it is absolutely in the framing. I believe the Libertarian Party could very easily put out a flat-out statement to put themselves ahead of the joke, simply saying, yes, we are the Libertarian Party. We are a party of ideals. We are a party of action. We are a party of, of things. And uh, however, and then the pivot, the electoral system in America, the duopoly, the presidential elections have risen to the level of a joke. And here's Vermin Supreme with love and spite. Enjoy. And I, I believe that the Libertarian Party could get ahead of, the, of that. And if they were in on the joke and they were made it very clear that they are putting up Vermin Supreme as a joke, as a critique, and then let nature do its rest. Joe Jorgensen, does the Libertarian Party have a perceived seriousness issue and do boots on heads and jokes help or hurt? 
Well, I'm not sure why you're asking me. I've never worn a boot on my head. No, <laughs> and, but uh, you're a member and, of the Libertarian Party, and this is a common... Uh, it's never too late to start. <laughs> never too Good point, good point. And uh, while Just I did right. legally change my name, it was not that. <laughs> uh, actually, I do have a concern overall about, about how people treat us. However, I, and I don't... Yes, I guess in a way I do. Uh, I, I, here's the thing. We're all going to have to get together at the convention, and somebody's going to be the nominee, and we need to all support each other. So I'm not going to sit here and say somebody shouldn't wear a boot on his head. However, I think we do need to present ourselves as presidential, and I think we're all standing here dressed very presidentially, and I think if we were on a televised debate, I think we would actually look um, not as a joke party. Kim Ruff. Well, I think that we are not taken seriously, not because of who we have in front of the camera, but because, generally speaking, mainstream media and the duopoly, so Republicans and Democrats, are not going to want us in front of the camera. So they're going to find any perceived flaw and blow it out of proportion. doesn't matter if you wear a boot on your head or two on your feet. They're still going to find something to nitpick because that's what they choose to do with us. However... If we are unified in our messaging, because it is all sales, if we're unified in our messaging, we are clear about what it is to be a libertarian, then we can get this information out there. Some people are going to respond positively to Vermin's show, and they do. People respond positively to Adam. They may not necessarily be the people who like how I say it or how I present it, but they're still libertarians and they're still listening. Every foot in the door, every tactic is invaluable in this fight. As long as we are consistent in our message and we are on point about what it means to be a libertarian. Dan, taxation is theft. Berman. That's a good answer. I agree. Can anyone in this room name more than two Republican candidates who are running, or more than, let's just say, 20 Democrat candidates that are running. <laughs> there are over 700 candidates, and that was an article that was put out months ago, who knows how many now, that are running for the presidency. Many of them are Democrats and Republicans, and many of them have much bigger issues than what they wear on their head. The reason you don't hear from them is because the media controls what we see. And look what won. Look what's in the White House right now. That started out as a joke. Everyone thought that was a joke. Nobody thought he was going to win. Everybody laughed at him. He's crazy. And what happened? Now, I'll give you, he's a little bit different. He bankrolled himself. He's a billionaire. He's made lots of money ripping people off. We don't have that. Okay. But is a hat really going to make that much of a difference when we have such a big issue with the media controlling what we see? Shouldn't we focus our attention there and ask why? They're not giving attention to any of the other candidates, whether they're libertarians, green, or independent. Why? Ken Armstrong. Well, I, I think our problem is not so much uh, the, whether we're theatrical or not theatrical. Uh, we've got six, I think, just fabulous people on the stage today, and I think we all make each other better. I think there is a perception issue that's created by the media, and, and, uh, and I think it's a real thing. And I agree with what Vermin says, that we need to, we need to explain ourselves a little bit better uh, and, and help the public to understand 
what's going on. But I do think that we need to, to identify what our brand is and, and stick to the brand. And that doesn't mean that we all have to wear a dark blue suit and a, and a gold tie. And it, it certainly doesn't mean that we all have to look like Shrek or sound like Darth Vader or any of those things. But it does mean that when we're out there before the public, that we're representing the libertarian brand and not ourselves. The after... Shout out for the uh, self-depreciating humor there. Yeah, so I want to say something about Ken. I like him. He's like a really likable guy, and he's funny, and he's self-deprecating and all of that stuff. I just politically... He's a constitutionalist former NATO commander. Like, he's not doing for doing it for me there. But I like him. I think he's a nice guy, and I think he means well or whatever. But I, I, I just... I'm not sure that this is the party for him. But I, I actually, like, couldn't... I couldn't not like him. So. A party is going to be competing Axl Rose and Darth Vader impersonations, apparently. Uh, Adam Kokesh, uh, take us home on this question. Does the Libertarian Party have an image issue? Do you watch too much mainstream media? I no, I actually <laughs> almost watch none of it. I just participate in it. There's a difference. Whoever is the Libertarian Party nominee in 2020 is going to be running against the world's greatest troll doll, hair included. You think we have an image problem? No, 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 no. Let's put this in perspective. First, they ignore you. Then they laugh at you. Then they fight you. And then... That's where we are as a party right now. Let's embrace that. Be libertarian. Stand up for who we are. Be the best libertarians we can be because this is a message that reaches to the heart of every single American. That's the image we should have as the best libertarians that we can be. Thank you, Adam. Stay standing, Adam Kokesh, because you are first in the uh, next round, which is uh, each question is going to be uh, personalized to the person uh, uh, answering it, and so it's not going to be generalized. So question to you, Adam Kokesh. Uh, controversially, at least among the 13 people, um, you recently went to a – participated in some way in a straight pride uh, uh, event or parade. Um, uh, can you explain why you did that? Uh, and also, is that the type of thing that you uh, uh, plan on doing in your campaign and as the nominee? Well, Matt, I think in order to present this honestly, you have to say that I went to the straight pride march and to the protest against the straight pride march and Thank spoke for at both and originally went to the straight pride march in order to punk it, basically, and I had a lot of fun doing so. Because, frankly, the culture war is divisive bullshit. It is really sick and sad. You're going to fight over culture? Because other people want to live differently. Some, this is the problem with government under a centralized coercive authority. Liberals and conservatives have to meet on the street and see each other as enemies because they have to fight over who's going to get their will forced on the other through this one-size-fits-nobody-but-the-profiteer solution. And that's what drives divisiveness. That's what creates polarization. And it, it was a little bit of a tough situation there, Matt, to say... I'm going to piss off both audiences I'm speaking today and say you're all wrong for participating in this and America's united in saying this nonsense needs to stop. We should unite around freedom. Q, 
Kim Ruff, uh, in your uh, South Carolina LP interview page, I think you were asked something along the lines of um, what are the biggest challenges facing the country? And you had a very interesting answer, which is I don't think the government really is facing significant challenges right now. That's interesting. Can you explain that a little bit? Because that's not the thing that a lot of people would perceive. Do you mind reading me what I wrote again? Uh, <laughs> I write a lot of things. <laughs> uh, give me one moment here. What is the biggest? That's pretty quick, right? Ten seconds of being called out on the, What is the biggest challenge facing the federal government currently? Kim Ruff was asked as she's filibustering for her answer. Uh, I would argue that the federal government isn't currently facing any significant challenges which has led us to the very situation we're in and fighting against blah, 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 blah. Okay. All right. So what I was driving at when I wrote that answer, which is a lot longer than what Matt did, uh, was basically saying that we aren't challenging our federal government enough. That is what's going on. We are in a situation where we are basically on cruise control as an electorate. And we, you notice, like statistically speaking, even though your city council has way more bearing on your day-to-day -day functions, more people participate in presidential elections. But even so, in 2016, 46% of the eligible voting population chose to sit on the sidelines and instead permit government to do what thou wilt. And that's the problem, is that we aren't rising up. We aren't paying attention anymore. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that most of us are so taxed, so burdened financially because of the fact that we have to support this Leviathan, that we are too tired to pay attention to what's going on. We're not active. We're not involved. We don't pay attention, and we don't push back. But we have the capability. It starts with every single one of us. It's incumbent upon each of us to say, I have the power, and I demand it back. Dan, taxation is theft. Berman, it's right there in your middle name. But do you mean it for corporate taxes, bro? All right. So I, I know this is going back to a Twitter post um, where I said that a corporate tax is slightly more legitimate than a tax on the individual. And the reason I say that is because a corporation is a business. And it's free to do business however it wants. It started with just a bunch of people, maybe a bunch of people in a garage saying, hey, we're going to create a business. We're going to do something. We're going to trade a product and a service for money. But they went to the government and they said, oh, government, wonderful government, please give us protection. Give us protection against other companies that are com going to compete with us. Create licensing laws. Protect us from from liability. So if somebody sues us, we don't have to pay. We already took our money out. They can just take the company, but they can't touch us. They've created these corporations as a special protection from government. And it's really more like you're buying something. So yeah, let them pay. They agreed to it in the first place. Your cell phone bill is not a tax because you went to the cell phone company and said, hey, I want this service. Here's some money. How much is it going to cost me? So why shouldn't a corporation have to pay taxes? Now, I will say this. The government should not have those powers for sale. Corporations should not be able to buy this power in the first place. That'll be an interesting thing to talk to them about on the show. Dan? Vermin Supreme, if I have this correctly, you have run for political office, not just in the Libertarian Party, but also the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Yes. Are there any other parties that you wish to uh, confess to running for here? Uh, no, those are the two. Okay. Um, so the question is, 
How are you any different than Lincoln Chafee? Well, once again, of course, uh, I would How maintain How are you any different than Lincoln Chafee? Every one of my previous campaigns was simply not a real campaign. It was a parody campaign. It was a goof campaign. When I ran as a Republican, I was not a Republican. When I ran as a Democrat, I was not a Democrat. I'm currently running for the Libertarian Party nomination, and I am a Libertarian. That is a very huge difference right there. Um, I have a real campaign with a real campaign staff. We are raising real campaign money, taking part in real debates. Um, I believe that I'm very well equipped to lead the Libertarian Party uh, into the land of 5%, into growing the party, into using my uh, viral celebrity to really make an impact and impart uh, libertarian ideals out to audiences that we've had a very hard, difficult time uh, reaching uh, through, uh, through all the various viral medias that I've had by harnessing the uh, current uh, groups of kids. I mean, the kids are an amazing demographic, um, and I hope to harness them. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Joe Jorgensen, I recommend everyone here go and look at her speech at the 1996 Libertarian Party Convention. Um, it's the uh, what the kind of structuring joke is about one nine hundred sex telephone numbers, um, and also uh, talking about how hey you know uh, we we should be welcoming to Steve's For- Steve Forbes Republicans, um, which is a way of saying. That was a long time ago. (laughs) Well, what have you been doing since 1996 for the cause of freedom in the Libertarian Party? Preparing for this campaign, for one thing. Indirectly, I've... uh... So prepared is she from the last 23 years of not doing anything else that she didn't answer any questions at the convention. Right. So I, I, she's prepared herself, Matt. Any second. Uh, I've. Sorry, were you going to say something? No, I'm good. Okay. Earned what three college degrees and a graduate certificate. I've gotten my life in order to where I can uh, spend time on the road and not worry about. Uh, working five days a week at home. So I've got the time and the money and the effort to be able to put into it. Very good. Ken Armstrong, uh, you commanded like a NATO mission or a very uh, elaborate career for someone in a party where most people want to dissolve NATO. Are you really ready to dissolve NATO or what do you think NATO should, what should be done with the system of alliances that we have right now? Well, NATO's a treaty and, and I believe in treaties and contracts between willing participants. I'm just not sure that the American people really know what they bought into with NATO and, uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, I think that we need to back away from NATO. The only reason I believe we should stay in the United Nations, to tell you the truth, is because being a permanent member of the Security Council, we get that precious veto on the Security Council, and I don't think we want to give that up. But I, these, these global organizations are not globalist. They're corporatist, and I think we need to, to get as far away from them as we can. That was a really good answer. I liked that. That that was the best answer he's given. I I really like that. Now, I would argue if the U.S. left NATO, it would become a toothless organization because it receives the bulk of its funding and is hosted by the U.S. I think it would become a joke party and a, a joke organization and a lot of smaller countries that are only in it to benefit from the largesse of the U.S. government would leave it. I think it would I think it would fall apart. But that wasn't a bad answer for that. 
that was actually a good answer. Very good. We'll go back to a general uh, round of questioning here. Talking about uh, the 2016 Libertarian Party uh, presidential um, uh, experience, um, in any way, shape, you want to put it, what is a lesson, Kim Ruff, you will start here, what is a lesson from 2016 um, that you think is relevant to be thinking about as we approach 2020? Well, I think our lesson from that, at least the big takeaway, the deciding to run, and this is set it down and uh, get to dance. I didn't remember All right. that happening. The big takeaway and the lesson for me, at least, in 2016 is that we should not allow ourselves to be bullied. We should not be, allow ourselves to be put in a position where we're effectively told that if we don't elect a certain person or nominate a certain person to represent us, then we're going to have the whole thing fall apart. We shouldn't buy into lies because that's what we were fed, and we should stand up and have a fearless libertarian as our standard bearer. On the state and local level, I know how hard you guys work. Most of us here know how hard you guys work because we do the same thing too. We scramble every election cycle to get ballot access, to ensure our candidates get representation. We're shunned by mainstream media. It's difficult to get the money, and we sweat blood and tears. We do this every single time. And it's important that our presidential candidate represents us fearlessly because that is what builds our moment and keeps us going. Adam Kokesh, lesson from 2016. This is more of the issue, the part of the technical issues that we were having. All right, all right, now we're live. And Start the clock. All right. So, uh, in 2016, we nominated someone who was running in 2012. We gave him the mantle of being the Libertarian Party nominee for president, and he could have spent the time in between using that to build the party. And instead, he went and rode bicycles and climbed mountains. Good for him. The biggest lesson I see there is that if we're going to nominate someone, we got to recognize that what we're giving them is incredibly valuable. And it has to be someone who we can trust with that, who's gonna use it to maximum impact, whose commitment to the cause is unquestionable, who's been in it for the long haul, who has the endurance, who has the commitment to the cause to take advantage of that. And the other thing in 2016 in, in that race is that we need a different message. We need a fundamental shift from playing their game making this about politics. It's not. Freedom is about love and ethics and unity and basic moral principles that unite us as a human family. When we put that forward, that's how we're going to win, not by playing their game. Ken Armstrong, lessons from the 2016 Libertarian Party race. Well, I'm going to jump back to the 1860 race. You all remember that. You were there, right? Uh, you know, the Republican Party was six years old at the time. And they nominated a guy who'd held office in Congress one term and lost his reelection and been out of office for a decade, Abraham Lincoln. And so they didn't pick a guy with a great reputation, great name recognition, or any of that sort of thing. But when they nominated him, they got behind him. They put energy behind him, and he swept them into power. And the biggest problem that we have is that we're a house of cats, all wanting to go do our own thing. We need to get behind whoever this party nominates. 
for the 2020 election. Joe Jorgensen, Lessons from 2016. Yes, Gary Johnson was definitely a libertarian. He's always acted as a libertarian. He was a libertarian in office. The one thing is, though, that people join the Libertarian Party for different reasons. And Gary Johnson had, met, had mentioned at the 2016 convention to a handful of libertarians that he had never read a libertarian book. That's not the And the problem, problem with that is one person might come to the Libertarian Party for a different reason than somebody else. So it's not good enough to know why you came to the party or what works for you. In fact, when I ran for uh, Congress in 1992 and I gave people my reasons why I joined the party, I was shocked that they didn't agree with me. So over the past few oh, months, great. I've reread Losing Ground by Charles Murray, Free to Choose by Milton Friedman, Capitalism and Freedom by Milton Friedman, Why Government Doesn't Work by Harry Brown, Secrets of Libertarian Persuasion by Michael Cloud and Libertarianism in One Lesson by David Berglund so that I can learn all the reasons to persuade. None of that was libertarian philosophy. Those are libertarian salesmanship books and Milton Friedman is a Chicago school supplies of a demand sider who believes like that's not. Milton Friedman. So this is she is from the fiscally conservative and socially liberal wing of the Libertarian Party. Imagine that in alternating uppercase, lowercase letters. <laughs> like, that Libertarianism isn't a philosophy based on self-ownership. It's, we need to spend less money. Uh, I don't really care if the gay people marry. Which... We also agree with that, but there's a philosophy behind it. And you are going to be befuddled when we think stuff that you don't because you're still a damn conservative. And at least Gary Johnson had a history of as being a successful governor. What is your appeal? Yeah, she, she has absolutely nothing going for her. She's had two failed campaigns and that's it and the last one was 23 years ago there are two kinds of libertarians that get nominated to stuff ones that have been that may not be all that libertarian but they have a successful history of winning big elections and that's the appeal to the amashes the 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 masses the pauls the the johnsons the chafees the whatever welds whatever and then there are the ones that are, you know, strictly, you know, orthodox, down the road, philosophical libertarians. She's neither. She is neither. She is she... neither. And she's stiff and uncomfortable. And if you look at, if you go to our page and share every post we have on it, but if you go to our page and and look for the, the, the video of, of her flubbing Sarah Dagger's question. She has this thing where, and I have MS, so I'm not judging someone having physical issues at all. But when she would turn to people, like to look at them, she'd have to turn her whole body because she's like really stiff and uncomfortable. You're about to mount, mount a, 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 a presidential campaign and are like having difficulty, you know, physical with physical stuff. And again, I'm not criticizing 
that if someone has that problem, but you have to have the energy for a presidential campaign. You're not you're taking this ever, less seriously than Vermin is. Vermin at least has answers to all the questions. And he's running as a joke candidate or a you know, we're voting for a joke because we don't we don't take this whole process seriously candidate. Anyway, let me hear the rest of it. Wait, everybody to join regardless of the reason they want to join and want liberty and freedom. Vermin Supreme. Lesson. You have to know what liberty and freedom are or else you're just doing warmed over Republican stuff. It's from 2016. I learned that the uh, respectability politics are dead. And then no matter what suit you put up, uh, the mainstream media will completely ignore that. And I believe that it's time to try something uh, radically different. I'm just thinking, I believe it's time to put something forward that, uh, that they can't possibly ignore, something that they're going to have a hard time to wrap their head around. I think we're talking about putting up a, a performance artist, a clown, a character, and saying this is what we believe about your ridiculous system. We believe about the, the mandatory toothbrushing law in any state. We believe the, the free ponies giveaways and other such magical things and uh, the opportunity to allow something so different that it cannot be ignored, that it will sweep the nation, that it will become a, a tsunami of excitement amongst the younger generation. Um, this, this is what I learned. I, I learned that, uh, that what we're doing um, up to that point, up to this point, just a, a suit ain't going to make it. Dan, taxation is theft. Berman, lessons from 2016. I think the most important message is go bold or go home. We have to be big and loud and out there with this message, and that's one of the reasons I wear the big yellow hat, and it works really well. And with this message, before we have... We've, we've had with past candidates trying to explain what a libertarian is. Meanwhile, the Democrats and Republicans are out there saying, this is what we're going to give you. We're the odd man out. Why even consider us? They're not giving us anything. You can't tell them we're going to give you freedom because all they want is free stuff. But with our campaign, we've been working on our messaging and we've been able to get lots of Democrats, hardcore Bernie Sanders supporters, and Republicans, ex-Trump supporters, to support our campaign. They're not full libertarians yet, but they're on their way because they get it, because we've been able to tell them this is what we're going to do for you that gets you out of this fear mindset that the other par parties and politicians are putting you in to control you, and they get it. In just two minutes, one of my supporters, a 14-year-old kid, convinced a conservative that we should legalize heroin. <laughs> that's, how, what, that's what you can do with messaging. It's amazing. Did you see how, how uh, Matt Welch responded in this, like, bemused laughter, like, shocked laughter that that's even an idea? This is, like, what certain elements within the Libertarian Party are doing. It's like, legalize heroin? Oh, my Lord. Well, what does end the drug war mean to you, man? Like, what, you know, it just meant weed to you is what right. it meant. Right. And... There, so many times uh, libertarians are called uh, Republicans who want to smoke pot. Yeah. And I've had people on the writer's block before when I started talking to them about legalization. Uh, they were like, well, what do you mean by legalization? I'm like, I mean all drugs. Like, I should be able to go to 7-Eleven and buy cocaine. Right. Um, and they're like, oh, I don't know if I'm okay with that. And then they try to explain why. But 
that's not libertarianism. That's not the steps that you are going for. If you want personal freedom, if you want individual freedom, you have to have total individual freedom. Yep. And that is where a lot of people end up slipping up uh, when they're trying to become libertarian. That is where a lot of, and I will forgive people, we weren't all always libertarians. I, I've met very few people that have always been libertarian. I certainly was not. I didn't ever try to run for major office as a libertarian or present myself as a, as a you know, uh, an expert in libertarianism and try to, you know, browbeat others for, for, you know, not accepting my, you know, rise to try to win the White House. And I wouldn't now. And the reality is that I'm not going to try to play the perfect libertarian game, but I'm the perfect libertarian. And I'm still not asking anyone to vote for me. To have the, the the presumption to get up there and say, yeah, vote for me. But also, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, I mean, I'm sort of, I'm sort of, libertarianism, libertarianism to me means something that I don't really want to answer. Because the voters don't, that, whatever. Thank you, Dan. We'll go to another round here. This one's going to be started by Joe Jorgensen. Um, so we were just talking about the Johnson uh, Weld campaign, or at least referring to it. They raised, what, $12 million, got four, two. 12 points, not that anyone's counting, uh, got almost four and a half million votes. Um, the Libertarian Party, there's going to be a 1,000 people deciding the nomination. There are something like 15,000 sustaining regular uh, members uh, giving money. You're going to have to appeal to people outside of the party, and you're going to have to raise money. So specifically on the money part, um, do you anticipate being able to raise Twelve million, twelve point two million dollars, uh, and if so, how? Well, you spoiled my thunder there, since I had the numbers. But yes, if we look at the votes, basically, the more money we raise, the more votes we get. Bob Barr raised one point four million dollars, and we got uh, five hundred thousand votes. So the challenge for everybody up here on stage, each of us, is to be able to raise enough money. Now, Gary Johnson had only raised one million. I say only, but. Uh, close to $1 million by the convention. And my campaign organizer has raised $14 million in his lifetime for libertarian causes, and he feels very confident that he can get to the $1 million oh. mark and perhaps even surpass Gary By the way, so she what, didn't. Go ahead. What she's saying right now is that by the time of the convention, Gary Johnson has raised had raised $1 million. She isn't saying that she's raised $1 million. She isn't saying that she raised $14 million. She's saying that the man who is working for her campaign has raised $14 million total for all of the candidates and all of the organizations he has worked for. Yeah, any campaign he's ever worked on, which means he's a Republican and uh, and has been uh, working on Republican campaigns at, to whatever capacity. And, and, and those campaigns have raised $14 million. Anyone well, who she wants said, to... she said libertarian organizations too, so he could be working for different organizations. Right, but she called Mark Sanford a libertarian. So what? What is uh, libertarian uh, yeah, organization? Yeah, you're, you're right. It could but, be the freaking you know Heritage Foundation for all we know. She and she don't know over what time period this he raised these fourteen million dollars. Right. If that's dating back to 1986, that's not that impressive. Right, right, and it's also I mean again if you if you can even find her website. You tell me that she's going to raise 14 anythings on that. But, 
Anyway. Johnson's first time out between now and the convention. Vermin Supreme, aside from getting me to pay for the tie of yours that I stole, um, how do you plan? Yes. How do you plan yes. on? <laughs> yes. True story. How do you uh, yes. how do you plan? Do you plan on getting to twelve million? And if so, how? Well, that's a pretty inconceivable amount of money. It's a whole lot of money. It's it's money I can't even begin to imagine. So I would say, yeah, sure, of course I'm gonna. We're, we're gonna get fundraisers and, and we're we're gonna crowdsource it and we're gonna get like uh, 12 million people to send me a dollar. So that's that's gonna happen. That that's a no-brainer. We're gonna make that quick. Um, so yeah, definitely. We're gonna spend it too. <laughs> and, and we're going to get a bigger bang for the buck because I'm going to get a lot of free media, a lot of, a lot of thousands and millions of dollars worth of free media is going to be happening. And uh, we're going to run a mean and lean campaign. And we're not going to need the kind of like consultants and specialists and some of these other ridiculous things that a lot of these campaigns are pissing away millions of dollars on in the presidential real world. I mean, yeah, we'll price out polls. We'll see what we have to do. But we're going to run a mean, lean campaign. We're going to hit the ground running. We're going to have, uh, once we receive the nomination, we all have exactly six months to ramp it up through the roof. And I and my team are getting ready to do just that. Dan, taxation is theft. Berman. Uh, can we just print it? That's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a lot of interesting um, story around this. And, you know, we have to look at a lot. We have to look at, um, you know, what was the environment in 2016. We had plenty of libertarians who were in the party who were convinced that we were going to win just because we had the one candidate that everybody didn't hate. Yep. And this is, this is a huge motivating factor, but it's only going to get us so far. And I think one thing that we need to do is we need to show that our message actually works and how people are responding to it and how it's actually changing things. And that is gonna get what's, that's what's going to get people to open up and give us more money and see what's happening. And we can do a lot more with volunteers than we can with money because we already know how the mainstream media is going to treat us, present company excluded. Um, is that my mainstream? <laughs> it's unclear. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it is realistic to raise that amount of money, but we need to do things a little bit differently, and we need to try new things that haven't been done before. Adam Kokash, as the leader preliminarily in the fundraising race on this stage, uh, can you get to twelve million? Raise money for mics. <laughs> he said, "Raise Speaking. money for mics." We get here. All right. I think using the benchmark from last year should be seen as a a launch pad, not a target. You know, we should be seeking to get way above and beyond that. And uh, with our campaign, it's, it's, uh, it's almost sad to say we've raised just over $200,000. I've put about 140 of that in myself and about 60 from individual donors. And until recently, that was uh, 10 times the rest of the libertarian field. And that doesn't make any of us competitive with the mainstream. I close deals. I make sales. We need to make this happen. So I'm going to ask everybody here, because I'm not afraid to ask for help. We need money. Give to one of these campaigns at the end of this debate. Decide who you want to support. Give to at least one of us. And if you can't, help us. Sign up as a volunteer. Be a part of this. I know with this message from what I've seen that we can do this. 
with everybody in America. We can bring people in. We can raise money from demographics that the Libertarian Party has never touched before because localization is the everybody gets what they want strategy. And more than anything else on the campaign trail, what I hear, and this is so important to reach the traditional non-voters, the 40% who don't even vote in, in presidential elections, what I hear more than anything else is, I don't normally vote, but I'd come out and vote for that. Ken Armstrong. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've spent the last six months out on the road finding out a lot of things about the American people. And, and one of the things that, that Don and I have discovered is how tired they are of this horrible uh, game of dog-eat-dog -dog that's going on. I think we, we need to uh, articulate ourselves well. But I do believe that, that the money follows the message, not the other way around. And I think if we can get really smart in, in how we propagate that message out to the public, um, there, you know, we do need to use fundraising professionals. We do need to have the kind of events that, that raise money. But we need to get very, very smart on how we get that message out as a party when we have a nominee to carry the banner. Thank you. And Kim Ruff, $12.2 million. Can you get there? How you get there? <laughs> well, I'm actually very much the same line as Vermin with respect to that. I mean, first of all, I can't accurately predict what I'm going to get, and I'm not going to say I'm going to get 12 point whatever million dollars. But if you do have one person, 12 million people, give you a dollar, that ultimately adds up. Mostly, what I want to focus on here is what we've done thus far on a shoestring budget and how much we can achieve. Because I don't buy the argument that $12. million is going to yield a stupid amount of votes. Because you forget all the other factors that went into 2016 or 2012 or any other year. Money is part of it, but it's not the sum total of its parts. It also comes down to candidates and the infrastructure that they've built. We have a team right now that consists of well over 200 people. We have individuals stacked at the state level who have their own teams that they manage. And every single person from me down does this gratis. Not a single person here is getting a dime. We do it because we care. And we're able to achieve because of our sheer force of will. So I don't think money is necessarily the issue, but it will follow. Very good. I think what we'll do here is have one last round of questioning, and in order to get rid of the awful bottleneck that is me, uh, allow the candidates to question one another if they so choose, um, and then after that we'll go to closing uh, statements. So I'm going. So before we get to that, I'm gonna. It's a good time to throw in one more red carpet interview. This one was actually a surprise endorsement, double endorsement, by Ryan Teeter, the Anarcho Gun Guy. Ryan Teeter. Hey everybody, it's Spike Cohen here with the South Carolina Libertarian Party debate after party, and I am here with Ryan Teeter. I'm wearing myself. I need no one else. How? And these shoes are absolutely amazing. Tell us about these shoes. These are the Joshua Smith. Joshua Bear. As much as I hate to give Joshua Smith my money, I do love these shoes. They are super well comfortable shoes I own. Again, as much as I hate it, this is an endorsement for Joshua Smith's shoes. They are wonderful. Get your Air Joshy Bears today. Now, Ryan, we have some breaking news. 
Um, Ryan is going to give you some endorsements, is that correct? That is correct, and they are my first endorsements ever. I do not involve myself in national politics, but after hearing the debates today, I am very comfortable endorsing not one, but two candidates. That would be Kim Ruff and Vermin Supreme for two completely different reasons. Vermin Supreme is correct. He made some excellent points today in that his boot, his magic boot, gives him a unique ability to outreach to a younger generation. People want to see Vermin Supreme with his magic boot, and he will bring the votes from people currently in high school and college around the country. The other endorsement, Kim Ruff, is a solid candidate willing to pass the spotlight on to candidates running for state and local offices, which is something we sorely need in the libertarian community. Very good. Now, at the end of the day, one of them is going to have to be the presidential candidate, assuming someone else doesn't win, and so it's going to have to come down to one. If it comes down to that, will you have to pick, or do you prefer to fight in some kind of like an Honestly, what I would love to see, somebody brought this up earlier today. As much as I love John Phillips, I would love to see a rough supreme card. Rough for president, vermin supreme for vice president. That would be the perfect libertarian card. Kim Ruff to get the to pass the spotlight and get a legitimate solid candidate vote, and vermin supreme bringing his years of gaining attention from other parties. Look, Vermin Supreme is somebody when I can talk to people who do not know what libertarians are, and I bring up Vermin Supreme, and they immediately know who I'm talking about. He is someone who captures the spotlight and who has a much broader he has a much broader range of attention than libertarianism in general. Uh, he is the perfect person to run as a vice president candidate and bring attention to a campaign, and that's why I think that. Uh, Kim Ruff and Vermin Supreme would be the perfect part. Okay, but hear me out. Is there any presidential candidate that you would like to see in the Uh, That's a hard one. Uh, I'm thinking Kim, due to his military experience, would be an excellent person to see in the cage match. Uh, he gets his heart. Uh, my money would probably be on Kim. Um, Kim's kind of gigantic, so I would have to say Kim. She's significantly larger than me. She's like four inches taller than me. She's an Amazon. She, yeah, she's massive. So I'm saying uh, Ken versus Kim. That sounds good. We can see. I mean, we can see if they'll fight on the card. Yeah, we can. I think we can make some money off that match. We should sell tickets to that. I actually, I, like that. I would pay to see that. That's very good. Well, thank you again, Brian Teeter, the Anarcho Gun Guy, with our red carpet interview. Shout out to me for spending hours trying to figure out what was being said in these videos. So when you said, who are they? It sounded like you said, who day? And then I immediately was thinking that you were making a reference to the Cincinnati Bengals when I first heard that. I was definitely not because I still I have no idea what you're talking about. Right, yeah. I, then I was like, how would he even know what that means? Yeah. Also, uh, Rough Supreme sounds like something you would order at a BDSM club. I'd try it at least once. Or a, or like a, an edgy Taco Bell. The Rough Supreme. <laughs> the Rough Supreme. You're going to be on the toilet all week. Um, yeah, that was an interesting take that he had. Um, also, on uh, I kind of wanted to see if um, Ken would fight Kim on the carpet, but he had already left. So, unfortunately, we didn't find that out. Uh, shout out to Tom Arnold for his mating call there partway through. 
uh, that he made. Um, and uh, yeah, so let's let's finish off this this debate. I'm going to throw it open to the field, uh, starting with Vermin Supreme. You can ask any one of your fellow candidates, or maybe someone in the audience, or me, or camera, or the flag, uh, a question, and they will have uh, 30 seconds to respond. Any question, field is yours. Ken, what about the Dallas Accord? What about the Dallas Accord? Exactly. Um, <laughs> what is Aleppo? Uh, <laughs> um, you, you, you got me. Um, Joe, I'm, what about the Dallas Accord? I, you only got one. Oh, sorry. sorry. That's it. I loved it. He tried uh, to get Joe to answer it next. I loved it. She, she probably, possibly might have known what it was, though. But She may have. I mean, she's been in the party for a while, so she might, she might know. That was actually a stroke of genius. <laughs> next questioner. Ken, you have a question. You can get back at it if you want. Uh, no, I'm not going to hit back. Um, Adam, please tell me what legal basis you would use for dissolving the government and for establishing the guardians of the government. I'm so glad that I don't have a microphone that works. Uh, all right. We'll do this one again. I'm so glad you asked, Ken, because a lot of times I get asked the question, is your platform constitutional? And the answer is, Heck no, it's not constitutional. That's kind of the point. We are appealing to the higher authority known as the Declaration of Independence, which says we have not only a right but a duty to alter and abolish systems of government that no longer serve us. He could take a bit more time. It's All right. central to his other thing. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, but hurry. Various people have thrown up various legal challenges to this platform. But the reason we're doing it this way, turning the presidential election into a referendum on whether or not the federal government should exist, should be allowed to continue to exist, is that when the American people decisively say, we're going to put our foot down, we're not going to put up with this crap anymore, Nobody in a suit in Washington, D. is going to stand in our way. And if you say that I can't do this, what you're really saying is that the American people can't do this, and I disagree. Kim Ruff, ask a question, and we can do 60 seconds on the answers uh, instead of 30. I think it's better. Ask questions. Okay. Uh, my question is actually for Vermin, but it's not intended to be combative at all. It's really more just to give you a springboard to talk about it. So I told you that I'd listened to that podcast, Cults, that had talked about the Church of Euthanasia. And they were talking about the whole experience with Chris Corda and how it founded. And to be clear, the Church of Euthanasia was not a cult, okay? It happened to be on this podcast, but I want to make sure that's clear. One of the things that happened was when you guys went on Jerry Springer, it was like you, Chris Corda, and another founding member, you guys were a little bit disparate in how you presented the point and purpose of it. I understand the point and purpose, but I was just wondering, since one of the things we struggle with as libertarians is presenting a unified message, how, how are we going to, as a team, all be able to combat that, ensure that we do present a unified message, and how are you part of that solution? Thank you for that question. Uh, the COE was, of course, uh, an agile performance art group that I was involved with in the uh, in 1997, uh, long before I had considered any. By the guy, by the way, guys, when you stop watching this, Google 
Church of Euthanasia, Jerry Springer. Uh, You have to do full and find it on Vimeo. It's an hour long with advertisements. Um, We watched it in its entirety. uh, Instead of sleeping. Right. Instead of sleeping. sleeping. We held hands and watched it. (laughs) We cuddled. We cuddled a little and watched. It was it was cute. It was like you know you put your hand you put your head on their shoulder and watch the TV together. Um, no, it was uh, it's definitely worth the roughly forty minutes it'll take to watch it because it's an hour but there's commercials. Definitely watch it. Uh, yeah, definitely watch it. Sort of a, a real campaign. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty outrageous. It was pretty over the top and it was definitely all about shock and in your face and the imagery was was really frightening. Um, that being said, um, how can we as libertarians present a united front? Um, I suppose that's uh, fairly difficult given the, the vast amount of personalities involved. Uh, um, but other than sticking to the talking points and, and focusing on the Libertarian Party platform, which uh, is uh, a thing that I have pledged to do in my campaign, um, because that is indeed the heart and soul of the Libertarian Party. What is a party but the sum of its platform? Um, so I, I think as long as we can all stay on topic and make that the, the topic of conversation, make sure that's where we're at, uh, then we will uh, appear as unified as we can be under the circumstances, given all the, the very varieties of libertarians there are. Thank you, Vermin. Adam Kokesh, question for any of your competitors. Thank you. Do I... Oh, again? All right. <laughs> Sex work is work. And interfering with consensual relationships between adults is criminal. The libertarian position here on respect for freedom and freedom of association is very clear. Joe, you were asked this question earlier today and sidestepped it, and I certainly appreciate your angle on messaging, but shouldn't we have someone who can represent the message of freedom unabashedly, directly, and answer a straightforward question like that? I'm Thank really you glad so much for the this. opportunity. Someone needed to. Someone needed to. And I must admit, when somebody asked me the question, I should have gotten more information because I actually didn't see that CNN thing with Gary uh, John. It shouldn't matter. Answer that the damn matter. question. It had nothing to do with Gary. Right. Answer the damn question. Now watch her not answer the... Di- well, I don't want to give it away. Johnson. And I might have made an incorrect assumption. I don't know because I didn't see it. Here's the point I was trying to make. Whenever I see a debate or questions being asked from the news media, it's usually, okay, Mr. Democratic candidate, what do you think about foreign policy? What, we, what should we do with free trade? And then they ask the Republican, uh, tell me, what about the military overseas? When should we bring them back? What about the budget deficits? And then the Libertarian. What about sex work? And what my point was is that we need to be treated with the same respect as Democrats and Republicans. No, it wasn't. Now, if they're asking no, Democrats wasn't. and Republicans the same question, absolutely. Uh, but my answer would be, and I would like to use Ed Clark's, uh, the, the way Ed Clark answered a question like that, and I wasn't clear on this, is if somebody asked Ed Clark, well, what do you think about this? And it was a question that nobody but a libertarian would answer. Uh, For instance, well, he would say, for instance, yes, I agree with that, but this is what the voters are suggesting. So my answer would be, my my answer would be, yes, I would, uh, I would immediately first day, my, my answer to the question is my first day in office, I would release everybody from prison who's in there for a nonviolent 
Sex Act. And now let's talk about what the voters are asking me and uh, put us They're on the same level question. of seriousness as a Democrat and Republican candidate. Joe George. That's like, I mean, you had all day. She had like four hours to come up with more, five, like five hours. Yeah, it was like five hours. Five, with a, five or six hours. Answer. Knowing that someone was going to hit her with that. Yeah. You had to know. So Dave Jones of the Vermin uh, Supreme campaign, like he said that night, he said she had to know that everyone was going to want to ask about that. And your response was that. And she keeps right. quoting libertarian people that no one has ever heard of. Yeah, I just had to Google that guy, and I still don't know if I found the right one. It's beyond tone deaf. Morganson, keep that mic. Uh, ask a question of someone uh, here. Sure, uh, Ken. We're all libertarians here running for office, and I would just like to know, please define what is a libertarian? Here's a softball question. I'm not sure why she did that. Maybe she wants Ken to win. A libertarian is a person who believes that they have more right than anyone else to determine the course of their lives. A libertarian is a person who believes that the less government we have to interfere with our lives, the better off we are. To be honest, you did a lot better that than I do when people do that to me. Um, Dan, taxation. Yeah, that doesn't is surprise me. Anyone need an editor? And well, Beth yeah. Berman, let's finish this round. Ask a question to any of your co-runners for president. There's only one question on my mind, and so I, I know most of the candidates' answers, so I have to ask. Um, let's go with Ken. Is taxation theft, and what would you do about the income tax and the IRS? Okay. This is a thorny one, but I'm, I'm wearing my, uh, my porcupine today, so I can do that. As, as, as a legal what? matter, taxing. Go ahead. What was that? He said, this is a funny one, but I'm wearing my porcupine today. As opposed to what? His NATO command hat. I don't know. I don't know. ...is not theft. Okay. By, by legal definition. By moral definition, absolutely it's theft. And even more important than that, the income tax itself is stupid. It's a regressive penalty for productivity. The worst way to grow an economy is to penalize the people for productivity. So if we're going to have any kind of tax at all, it should be a voluntary tax based on consumption, not on, on uh, a, an involuntary tax based on productivity. All right. Thus ends the question period of the debate. We're going to go to closing statements, which well, the candidates will have 90 seconds, as they did. Um, and we will go in the reverse order that we did the opening. So from Ken Armstrong on down. It has been my pleasure for the last six months. And I will say that a lot of times pleasure comes with quite a bit of pain. But it has been my pleasure for the last six months to travel 40 states so far around the country and to get to know American people in a way that I never had before. 
um, and, and really, I mean, uh, met with David Thoreau at the Independent Institute in California, had dinner with Larry Sharp in New York, and, and those were wonderful experiences. But even more important than that were, were the ordinary everyday Americans, the homeless people, the, the, the waitresses, the, the, uh, the hotel staff, the, the people that we met on the street, and, and just finding out how, honestly, you know, we say something all of the time, but Dawn and I have been discovering that this is absolutely true. If people know what we're about, they discover that they've always been libertarians. It took me until almost 25 years ago to discover that I was a libertarian. And it, when, when we explain what we're really about, people get it. And as I travel around the country to have that conversation with people. Thank you, Ken. Vermin Supreme. Thank you. My boot is a boot. It's a magic boot. It stands for all that is good in America and the rights that the Libertarian Party stands for, the ability to wear a boot on your head if you so want to because it harms no one at all. Um, 3.9 million high school students graduate in any given year. Give me two of those years, that's 8 million kids. Add that to the 17 million college students in college any given year. That's a pool of 25 million uh, people. Uh, give me one out of four of those voters. That will equal your 5% right there. That does not include the millions and millions of disenfranchised, disillusioned, disgusted uh, individuals who could be voting but aren't voting. I think we could give them a very clear-cut choice. Um, uh, putting up a man with a boot on his head will certainly uh, show and uh, demonstrate the contempt that is worthy of the duopoly and their presidential charade. Um, the opportunities are limitless. This May in Austin, the Libertarian Party will be giving a very, very clear choice. They will choose of two time streams. There will be one time stream available that the LP can choose where Vermin Supreme is the nominee and we take back America from whoever has it whenever we take it back from them. So we got to preview his, his speeches at the Airbnb and just loving it, just doubling over on his, on his speeches. My magic boot, my magic boot, we're going to take America back from whoever took it from us. Love it. Or something else. The choice will be yours. Choose wisely. Together, we will ride our ponies into a zombie-powered future. Thank you. Joe Jorgensen, closing remarks. As the presidential nominee, I will double the size of the Libertarian Party membership. How do you know I can do that? I because I did know. it before with Harry Brown. In 1996, Brown we more than that. doubled the national party size from 10,000 members to over 22,800. But we didn't do it alone. We did it by teaming up with the national leadership. Uh, we teamed up with national chair, Steve Dosbach. In fact, Steve's here. Can you say hi? We teamed up with Bill Winter, communication director, Perry Willis, educator. Uh, uh, Perry Willis. And uh, last but not least, we paired up with Michael Cloud, the fundraiser for Harry Brown. Can you say hello? What on earth? So as the presidential nominee, what I would do is I would work with the Libertarian Party closely to make sure that everybody we came in contact would be sent to the National Libertarian Party and double the size of the Libertarian Party. 
Big government is the problem. Small government is a solution. No, it's not. Vote no. Dr. Joe Jorgensen. The small no government is the solution. Government candidate. Adam Kokesh. Before we start the clock, can we... Uh, uh, all right, we got one. All right, let's do this. Are you fed up with the two-party system? Can we do better than this, America? Are you ready to live up to the ideals of the American Revolution? Government keeps us divided, fighting over power in a centralized system driven by hate. I'm fed up with Cadet Bone Spurs, our narcissist-in-chief. But the culture of hate politics goes well beyond Orange Julius. Yes, Trump, you are driven by so much statist hatred. And this is the Levolution. Just as light drives out dark and love drives out hate, you will lose and love will win. America, we are too good for this government. We don't have to be forced into one system to be united in American values. Localization is the cure for polarization. With voluntary community-level government, you can live in harmony with systems that represent your values and meet your needs. With localization, we unite every single American around that which makes us America. A revolution with every generation. To get better microphones. Yes, all right. I'll be done in a few seconds. All right. <laughs> he took this well. We are called upon now by fate and fortune to have the best revolution ever. A revolution of love and peace and freedom. A way of harmony. This is the revolution you've been waiting for. Thank you very much. Dan, taxation is theft. Berman. So first, I, I want to apologize. I hope I didn't insult you by saying mainstream. But oh, it's a pretty legitimate organization. Dude, I'm old. <laughs> uh, so one thing that I think is really important to recognize is the government that we have, as big as it is, as much as everybody hates it, especially when their party's not in charge, that government is a government that we have that people wanted. You have one party who says, oh, yeah, I want the government to get bigger as long as my guy's in charge. And then a few years later, everybody else says, well, those people did all those things to me. We need my guy in charge to make the government even bigger to reverse right. all the damage that was done. Yeah. The only way we're going to get off of this train wreck is if we change that conversation and change that direction. And it doesn't come from pointing out all the flaws in the system and saying, this is bad and those guys are bad and those guys are bad. It comes from us being able to explain the benefits, how much better your life is going to be without maybe just this one government organization or this government organization. And something we have to realize about the candidates that we have up on this stage, everybody's different. Government tries to be one size fits all. Every single one of us appeals to a different audience. 
We're bringing people together with this message that less government is better. And we're working together to make that happen. But in order to win, the first thing that has to change is the minds of the people. And Kim Ruff, take us home. Well, just to reiterate, in case it hasn't become abundantly clear, my name is Kim Ruff, and that is indeed my legitimate last name. It's true. I am normally hesitant to talk about personal things, but I feel it's incumbent upon me to tell you this. The prime mover for me doing this is because I am a parent. I have two children, a son who's five and a daughter who's seven. And because I have children and I think about the world that they're going to inherit, I'm terrified. I am terrified, and I think a lot of people feel that way. Every single one of us is here, not just because we see logically how illogical or antithetical to our belief system government is. We see the direct impact it has on every single person in our lives. We have family members we care deeply about who are serving time in prison simply because they had the temerity to have marijuana. You have people who are incapable of advancing economically or starting a small business because of the huge burden government puts on them. We are always, we are in a situation as Americans where we are shackled by the very thing that we enacted supposedly to protect and serve us. And it's incumbent upon every single one of us to stand up and fight back. We need all hands on deck. That's why it's something that I've talked about multiple times is that our campaign is a volunteer organization made up of hundreds of a veritable who's who of awesome activists who've been in this movement right next to you this whole time. Every single one of us has to pick up a shovel and dig. There's myriad ways we can attack the Leviathan of the state, but we need to push back. Otherwise, our children will inherit a mess that we cannot fix for them. Thank you, Kim. Let's give a round of applause to all six candidates here tonight. Thank you to the South Carolina Libertarian Party for uh, inviting everyone uh, here, including myself. All right, so that was fun. And this is... Uh, so, guys, if, you're, if you want to sound off on who you thought won, um, Matt, do you want to give your thoughts on who won before... Uh, before we uh, before we we give the results of the straw poll of the people that were there, so I don't. Adam gave great answers, but he didn't do the best performance. But I can't knock him on his performance because his mic kept going out. Right. Um. Dan did great. Vermin did great. Um. Kim was. In my mind, Kim won that. Yeah. In my mind, Kim had the most solid answers. Um, Kim had the most solid answers, and she appeared to be pretty unflappable. Um, however, it's hard. Like Adam probably would have given a much better performance had his microphone not been going out. Yeah. Dan, Dan killed it. I, I believe Dan killed it, but... I don't think he was able to say the things he wanted to say. So because I don't think that the questions, I felt like the questions were kind of weak from Matt. The it was geared towards this being a more standard debate, whereas Dan wants to talk about like why government shouldn't exist and why we should be allowed to do whatever we want. With that said, Adam was able to take those questions and do that. Kim was able to do it. So I would say if 
I, I, I felt like it's a tough one because I think Kim had the best performance. I, Kim had in in an apple in apples and oranges way. Kim and Vermin both had their best performances because they're both trying to achieve in some ways two completely different things. Vermin is trying to say, listen, if you think this whole thing's a joke and you want to grow the Libertarian Party by appealing to people who think it's a joke, I'm your guy because we can all be in on the joke. We can all laugh at it and you can bring in someone who's way more popular than anyone currently on the stage and, and make that case. And Kim's whole thing is, I am, you know, I, I am the most, you know, I, I'm incredibly, you know, I am a strong libertarian. I've worked on many campaigns. I, ha- I am supporting other candidates in down ticket races. I'm about growing the entire party and, and moving up in a, in a grassroots uh, uh, fashion. So obviously both trying to get to the same uh, destination, but with different uh, strategies of having to do so. So I, I'd sort of have to give it to both of them in terms of who won. I think Tan- Dan gave a very... Uh, 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 a good solid performance i think adam probably would have done better without the the mic right, without um, the mic issues without the, the mic, mic issues, issues made it difficult for him to get into his rhythm yeah and and, and, I, and i've seen adam speak before and he, he's normally very charismatic and he's right. normally very engaging and on and on this one again like the the mic going out on him throws off that rhythm yeah, so it's it, yeah it's impossible to judge his performance in this debate based on the stand uh, on the uh, standards that this debate held. Right. And and he still did well. I mean, he still he still right. carried himself well. Dan I think did well, but Dan's not very theatrical. So Dan is is one-on-one very very engaging and in small groups very engaging. I don't know how well that translates into like speeches on a podium appealing to a large crowd type of thing. Um but I think he did well too. But I guess if I had to pick winners, it would be uh, Kim and Vermin uh, for kind of completely their their appeals and what they sought to accomplish there uh, was um, what was kind of different. Um, Chris Reynolds is saying the Dems uh, won Kentucky so, and Virginia. Yeah, I would. The Dems, uh, the last one I saw, they were up by 0.3 percent uh, with 99 or 100 percent reporting. Uh, the Kentucky, the Dem for Kentucky is saying that they won, but it's definitely going to go to a recount. Uh, odds are, yes, they did. Uh, the Dems also winning Virginia. Well, the Dems have been sweeping Virginia since 2008, so that's really yeah. not that big of a deal. Although, yeah. uh, Liberty Darling Nick Fritis won a write-in campaign uh, in his district, which is, oh. you don't hear about that often. But it was by like fourteen percent he won doing a write-in campaign. Wow, that's impressive. That's very impressive. Um, so Chris also said philo- philosophy debate versus pragmatic debate. Both can be right. Yeah, if if the pragmat if the pragmatists are presenting an actual viable plan, they're just saying vote for me because I'm not as theatrical or as you know I don't wear a boot. But they're not. Joe Jorgensen did not make a compelling argument that she was the a pragmat pragmatic choice. Wait, wait. I think he was talking about uh, Vermin being the pragmatic choice. Sure. Oh, and maybe he meant uh, Vermin versus Kim or something like that. Right. Anyway, that's what, that's what I think he was referring oh, to. Okay, okay, sent, okay, okay. Because I came in shortly or shortly after you were talking about Vermin and Kim giving two good performances. Yeah. 
So, and uh, Tyler said three libertarian candidates in Ohio and in Indiana, two, five city council and one mayoral. So good for, good for the libertarian party. Um, so guys, uh, uh, I know who Tyler thinks won, um, and who we voted for who won. Um, but without further ado, let's go ahead and show you the results of the straw poll. This was a poll of people who were there. Um, and according to that, uh, Ken Armstrong got 5.7%. Vermin Supreme got 7.1%. Dan Berman got 8.6%. Joe Jorgensen got 12.9%. Adam Kokesh, 15.7%. And Kim Ruff got 50%. And of those who were LP members, who said that they were LP members, she got 61.7%. So she kind of trounced everyone in terms of the in terms of right, the which, where I'm having issue with this straw poll, and I know that they said that there was no ballot stuffing or and that it was a legitimate vote and all that sort of thing, is the Joe Jorgensen. 17% of LP members, 20% of possible delegates. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't I don't buy that. I yeah. don't buy it. She did awful. She did awful in the debate she did she didn't get any libertarian points across all she continued to say was she she pulled the uh joe biden you know i was obama's vice president i was harry brown's vice president nominee i'm yeah. working with the same team that harry brown did with That's the different with the difference being that joe biden is referencing a successful two-term president right from two from one election cycle ago She's talking about something that failed 23 years. Like, Chris is saying really small sample size, though. But this is this is who voted at the debate. This was yeah. a breakdown of the people that were at the debate watching it. Yeah, it's not a uh, scientific poll, but it's a breakdown of the people that were there. But because it's a small sample size, it's also a doctored sample size in that a lot of them were already came in as supporters of one team or another. So, for example, Joe Jorgensen didn't gain any new supporters. Six people who came there as Joe Jorgensen supporters. I mean, that's like her campaign team that voted for her. Six of the right. people there were her campaign team. Um, oh, and that's actually a really good point because she was in South her Carolina. Home state. Yeah, yeah she was in her South. home state. So a lot of her campaign team is going to be members of that party trying to become delegates. So yeah. those six people could be the six people that she has working on her team. Yeah. And I mean, I, I yeah. So anyway, all that to say, you know, this isn't a, this isn't a, you know, Kim Ruff hasn't been nominated and none of them have dropped out as a result, but it's a kind of a, can you tell me what a percentage is? Uh, I don't know. SCLP post debate straw poll breakdown percentage. Percentage. Well, it's how you get George Organson to get 20%. Yeah, I guess. Um, But uh, yeah. So, so that's what happened there. Uh, We have a couple more. Um, of the red carpet interviews to show you. And then I guess we can sign out. Um, so now that you know who uh, won the straw poll, I can show these other ones, but here is uh, Tom Arnold followed by Kim. And then we will end it with Vermin Supreme, who was our, our final red carpet, uh, our final red carpet interview. We actually did that one at the house and I didn't have to do captions for that one. Yay. Cause you can hear what he's saying anyway. So here's Tom Arnold. Liberty, Tom Liberty Claus Arnold. Everybody, I'm Spike Cohen here at the South Carolina Libertarian Party debate post after party. I'm here doing my red carpet interview. I called that something red different each time. 
amazing, beautiful, and talented. I'm wearing uh, the match stages and uh, all of your, all, all your favorite politicians suck. So, yeah. This is all Oh, yeah? I don't read some massage. Oh, okay. Oh, that's all very fair. Yeah. Very fair. It's hard for them to find work. So, Tom, you are Team Rock. Right? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm working on Rock. Yes, exactly. Very nice. So, how do you feel she did it? Oh, she's cheaper than very impressive. The were exactly spot on. Well thought out. Obviously, won, so, you know, but you won the polls over, so it's obviously the uh, front runner right now. Yeah, so the, the, the straw poll people absolutely agree with you. So she won with 50% of the vote. That's right. Guys, 50%. So, what would you say was her? Do you think there was a breakout moment, or do you think it was just the strength of the entire debate performance that did it? Uh, I, I think her debate was. was, was Strong all the way through, you know. Uh, uh, the thing about Kim is, you know, she's, she's well prepared. She's very knowledgeable. Uh, foreign policy is her forte, and and she would handle those questions very well. Um, you know, and I think that she's the contender right now. Yeah, yeah. So now that uh, uh, Halloween is over, it's now Christmas, mm -hmm. um, and as the official uh, Santa Claus for the Liberty Union, right. what is your message to all the We want liberty in my lifetime. Now, how long I live, who knows? But we want liberty in my lifetime. So get after it, young. <laughs> yeah. That's it. If you're going to be a statist, you're going to get cold. Yeah. And you're stalking from this That's right exactly switches and ashes, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tom, you look absolutely amazing. Well, Go out there and continue dancing. Oh, I will. I will. Thank you, you so much, guys. It's so good to see you. Oh, oh yes. Marvelous. Marvelous. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you again for joining for the Red Carpet interview. Thank you. A lot of man love this weekend. A lot of man love this weekend. Chris Reynolds uh, said, where can people buy those hats? You can get these at taxationistheft.cards. Dot yeah, cards. Taxation is theft dot card. Shout out to Casey Neth who just joined us. She's a, a partner and some apps I'm working on. Uh, she, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> she, <laughs> she, um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So Tom, yeah. So a lot of kissing. I kissed a lot of men this weekend. Slept with one. Danced with one. Well, I danced with the same one I slept with. So. That was Tom, and then we had uh, Kim Ruff, fresh off the heels of her straw poll victory at the debate. Uh, here's Kim Ruff. Hey everybody, Spike Cohen here with the at the uh, South Carolina Libertarian Party debate after party with every time a different name. Yeah. For our red with the lovely and fabulous. I appreciate the Chuck Taylor. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a combination of Amazon, just miscellaneous suppliers, and uh, some 5'11 cargo pants. It's beautiful. Is it fair trade? Absolutely. I don't think that's 5 feet 11. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. It's consensual? I don't know. I didn't it's ask, a voluntary. Well, I didn't ask for it, but okay. I want to, um, so 
Um, I assure their parents grow up and that's what is most important. So, Kim, you just uh, won the sparkle with a whopping 50%. Was it a plastic straw? It was. A plan. Oh, it was. It was. I pulled it out of the nose of the seeker that they used to do the falling out. That's how you know you're annoyed. It was really good, yeah. This is it was gone. bloody as hell. Oh, yeah. So, my question to you is how do you feel coming off of that? I am deeply touched and very excited for the future of our campaign. And I'm going to Disney. It's the happiest place on earth. It is happy. That's really good. So, what, did you, what was your feeling about the convention? How do you feel about how you were received? How do you feel about your, your reception your team here in, in South Carolina? We actually did have a, a wonderful reception. It was a pleasure to meet everybody with South Carolina. We had a lot of people representing North Carolina, Atlanta. I'm working through it. Arizona, <laughs> Illinois, Arkansas. I actually can name all 50 states and in alphabetical order. In the capital? Uh, no, that's a fifth Yeah, like it's a, it's a So you're doing really well. So yes. What do you think of me? You? I think you're one of the funniest people I've ever met. Oh, that's good. I wait for you. So that's great. So I'm going to go let you dazzle and shine out there, but are there any final words that you want to give our, our fabulous viewing audience? 2020 is going to be a very interesting year for all of us. I think this is our chance as preparing candidates where we can really get our message out, and your guys' show is part of that. It is. It's actually the biggest part. It is. What I'm doing is secondary. In fact, I should be interviewing you. Kim Roth, thank you so much again. Thank Red you. carpet time. I want everyone to appreciate these captions. I just do, because this last one doesn't have captions. You know how long it took me to edit this one? About three seconds. Well, 30 seconds. These other ones, 20, 30 minutes each. Also, Kim should go to Disney World, because I'll go to Orlando to say what's up, but I'm not going to L.A. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not. I'll go down to Orlando. It's it's not uncomfortable, Chris. People liked it. We were actually touching stomachs, Matt Hicks and I. Uh, Kim and I, not so much. Tom, we were just enmeshed in one another. That was a real, like, physical experience. Sharing a tiny kitchen mat with with Tom Arnold. Liberty Claws. I felt like I was on Santa's sleigh. Um, so here well, is my... Okay, so you're Jewish, so you don't understand. You sit on Santa's lap and tell him what you want for Christmas. Well, I I stood into his lap. You did. You were, you were right in his life. There was a lot of pelvic <laughs> proximity there. It was, a, it was an experience. It was a lot of pelvic contact with Matt and with Tom, really everyone. Uh, I enjoyed interviewing Ryan because he's skinny, and so we didn't touch. Uh, so that was nice. Um, Dan, Dan Berman's feet, by the way. He's got to wear like a size 15 or yeah, something. Yeah, he's a giant man. They took up like... Like you wouldn't, you see him in the hat, so you assume yeah. he's smaller. Yeah. But he's not. He's probably six three. No, he's a gigantic giant human being. Um, right. He's at least six two or six three, and he has gigantic, massive, uh, uh, monster feet. So here is, without further ado, here is my final interview of the evening at the after 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 party with Vermin Supreme.
featuring Dave. Hey everybody, welcome to the South Carolina Libertarian Party post debate after after actually after being party. able to hear. I am Spike Cohen, and with me as always is the amazing, beautiful Mr. Furman Supreme Furman. Thank you so much for joining us. Spike, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's really nice to meet you in real life after a interviewing over the internet there. That was really great, and it was intense. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, that was a lot of fun, too. Yeah, it was pretty fun. So, you look amazing. Well, Who were you wearing? Thank you very kind. Well, uh, you'll see my suit jacket here is uh, by Chaps. I, uh, could you read the label exactly? I can, absolutely. Chaps 78. <laughs> but where are they from? Is uh, they are so from... Uh, is that... It doesn't say. It doesn't say. Okay. Right. Well, that's a style, and I'm uh, feeling real good about it. Yeah. It's a... It's just a right uh, amount of shoulder pads. It's form fitting. And of course, I've got the uh, the tingly rainwear uh, rubber boot on my head, which is one of the finest uh, rubber rain boots that uh, you can possibly find on the market today. Tingly, uh, T I N G L E Y, uh, mm -hmm. still available today. It's uh, on the internet. They are uh, made in the USA, and um, this is actually not so much a rubber boot itself because it has no uh, inner guts. It's more of a sort of a, the equivalent of a rubber that you would pull over your shoe that you would pull over your boot. So it's, uh, it's a much, it's more hollow and uh, it's much more lightweight and has a, a better uh, gravity to it. It feels good. It, it feels festive. It does. I know a lot of people ask me, you know, how do I keep the rubber boot on my head? And it is so I hard not laughing when this man's right in your face like this. I was, I was so delirious. I started busting out here soon. Uh, gravity, which wants to pull the boat, uh, boot down to the center of the earth, of course, right. and the friction of my head against the boot that prevents that from happening. Now, also in this case, there's a, uh, an insert, uh, a plastic insert, which almost acts uh, with a, as a lever. You can sort of see on the back. So there's this thing leaning on the back of my neck in another part of it. So it's three, uh, sort of three type of uh, physical properties going on. So there's some construction going on there. Too. Uh, yeah, so science. It, well, it's, it's, it's all about science. Well, much. you look absolutely stunning. Thank you. You, 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 saw, you too also. Thank, Thank you. you. I tried yeah. try very much. This is actually, this is free trade. This was uh, made uh, Vietnamese pygmies. Here, it's a microfiber. Where'd you find that? Uh, I don't know. Thrift store? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay. Um, so, uh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason I'm, so I want to ask you, what is your impression of how, how, how do you think you did during the debate? Um, you know, I think I did uh, pretty good. I think I went a long way towards uh, uh, convincing people of my uh, purpose and my offer. Um, I think I was a little more clear on that. Uh, the debate's always very interesting because essentially, uh, you know, the, the question is asked and there's like six people up on stage and they're all answering it, more or less, uh, in the libertarian fashion. And so... Uh, it sort of frees me up in a way. It's like, I mean, I almost don't feel like I, I should be regurgitating the same thing that everybody's sort of saying. Right. And it allows me to say something a little bit different. And um, so so that that's a good thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I believe that I was uh, serious where I need to be serious mm -hmm. and uh, entertaining where I need to be entertaining. And uh, sold all my various talking points and uh, reasons why I thought I'd make a really good candidate. And, uh I believe that people are very receptive to it. Yeah. I, I believe I'm changing hearts and minds. And uh, my goal all along has simply been to get people to agree that it's not inconceivable. Right. And if I can get to that point, I'm halfway there. Right. right. So right. I, I, I feel that very well. It was a very, very good debate overall. Now, do, do you think, did you like the reception you got overall at the convention? Do you, do you feel good? Do you feel welcome? Oh, absolutely. I, I always do. I mean, I, I, I very much enjoy these conventions and, and meeting the people and greeting the people. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, Campaign to the people, trying to convince them of, uh, of the righteousness of our cause, and uh, how feasible it really is. Very good, very good. Now, I don't know if you saw earlier, we had breaking news. Uh, Mr. Anarcho Gun Guy Ryan Teeter 
uh, gave a split endorsement to you and to Kim Roth. He came into the race, uh, I guess, more of a rough fan, and mm -hmm. uh, after that is now a split uh, Supreme rough fan. Well, um, that's very interesting. Now, I asked him uh, if he would be okay. I'm chewing on a mint, by the way. The nominee. Sure. Uh, and uh, if uh, he would be okay with uh, one of you uh, having you go into some kind of a cage style wrestling match mm -hmm. for who would be president and who would be vice president. Mm -hmm. And he said he would rather you guys work it out uh, agreeably in some way. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, uh, cage matches can certainly be agreeable. Um, and then <laughs> can be, uh, consensual. Um, so I, I guess uh, it all depends. I mean, I'm up to alternative uh, random decision making, flip toy, uh, coin flips, uh, rock, paper, scissors, uh, panty wrestling, uh, two out of three. Um, you know, I... Uh, you know, if the bird flies over this way, what's where the cow plops on? Um, just any number of uh, possibilities, I suppose. Very good. Now, or we can leave it up to the viewers at home. And now, how do you feel about that? Because, I mean, she, uh, Kim is an Amazon. She's a, she's a hardy woman. Yeah. You know, I, I probably have to work out a little bit, you know. I'm an older American these days. And, uh, you know, I'm not the young pup I used to be. But, you know, two balls out of three. Uh, we'll see what we can do. That sounds good. That sounds good. So, overall, what is the message you want to give? to the, the, the good boys and girls watching out. Well, kids, I want to say this about that. Wrap that pepper, okay, kids? Don't be going in there uncovered. Don't go unprotected. There's a lot of funny things going on here in this day and age. And sex is good and all, but if you're going to stick in there, man, wrap that sucker. Come on, kids. There's there's cooties out there. There are cooties. Thank you. Thank you so much. And guys, thank you again for joining us for our red carpet. Uh, what is this called? Red carpet so at this point I had, I think four of my shirt buttons unbuttoned as the evening went on. I was just more of the Jew beard chest beard was, was in on display. And by that it was just really, it was the suit holding my shirt together at that point. It really was not being held together by any buttons. A lot of that was because of the uh, anarchy the anarchist uh, strip teases. Oh, the natural, you know, anarchy is the natural order. Um, it was a very fun night. I had a lot of fun. I wish the broadcast could have happened. But what, but, but I, we had a lot of fun. And then, of course, this happened. Hey, kids! <laughs> look at us! We're on the red carpet! We're on the red carpet! <laughs> I mean, again, that's possibly the most watched thing I will ever do. Probably. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting campaign season for the Libertarians. Um, back in 16, you had Gary Johnson, who was a two-term governor, Republican GOP governor, and the 2012 nominee. And you had Austin Peterson, who was very widely well known right. john mcphee uh john mcphee and then there were there were others um but those were the those were the three big names this one you've got kokesh and vermin are probably the two biggest names but right. i don't think either one of them are really on the same level as johnson or peterson or mac i would argue that vermin is except for Johnson. Um, 
because he has now whether so there's well known and then there's well known in terms of like the people that are actually going to show up and vote right in 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 a in a election much less as delegates in a convention or whatever but he's an incredibly well known uh person um and the younger someone is the more likely they are to know him to the point where if you're a teenager there's better than even chances you know who he is. He is literally a viral. When he says viral sensation, he is well known by millions and millions and millions of children and 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 teenagers. They can't vote right now, but he certainly has a case to make that you know he's the president of TikTok right now. And and is that relevant to a primary? or a convention that chooses their candidate, not directly because they can't vote, but it's something to be said about his level of popularity. Kim Ruff, her appeal is that she has, she is more of a do- She is more philosophically of a doctrinaire libertarian than Johnson, McAfee or Peterson, McAfee or Peterson. I, uh, 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 there's a movie coming out about Mac, uh, Mac- McAfee. McAfee. Um, you said McAfee and it threw me off. Yeah. Uh, there's a movie coming out about McAfee uh, with Michael Keaton playing John McAfee. Oh, that, so I bet that'll be good. played by Batman. I was going to say, is it called Batman 5? Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I... Kim's whole thing is that she's about the most libertarian person running in quite a while that actually has like a, a you know professionally run campaign. Adams is kind of a similar uh, 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 appeal that he's making. Vermin's is completely different than what anyone else is offering. Like he said in the red carpet interview, everyone else was giving similarish answers, and he was kind of saying, "Yeah, I'm I'm here to to for you to voice your displeasure with this whole thing." And there's a lot of people that have enough displeasure that that might be worth it for them. So. We will see how it goes, uh, but again, I'd love to uh, give a, ch- uh, a thanks to the uh, South Carolina Libertarian Party for the opportunity to hang out at the convention and Reason. to, uh, huh? Reason Magazine for yep, like uh, to thank Reason Magazine for the debate. Yep, and uh, also uh, give a shout out to everyone who watched this and share it um, because uh, now you'll finally get to to see the reaction to the debate and see see the the entirety of the debate. Um, and, uh, yeah, Matt, is there anything you, you want to share with anyone before we start to go through our thing? No, um, not really. Uh, if you watch this, uh, Facebook has us so throttled, please share it. Yeah. Uh, please share our content at least I, for the I next few days. Cause... And even with like 15 shares or something like that, our reach has been 54. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, Facebook has it is impossible to show up, up for us to show up on anyone's news feed. And hopefully that ends soon um, because that's crazy. But uh, Or everyone just switches over to float. Just switch over to float. If you're watching this, just slip, switch over to float. Um, and uh, next week, I'm going to have Daniel Taxationist Steph Berman on. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. I'm going to find out where that hat's from. I'm definitely going to find out where that hat's from. Uh, and... Uh, what else? I guess that's it. So, Matt, if someone were looking for us on anywhere except for Facebook uh, on the internet, how would they find us? 
Man, that's going to mess up my order. Um, you can say Facebook. If you're looking for us anywhere outside of Facebook.com slash Muddied Waters Media, you can find us on Instagram at Instagram uh, at Muddied Waters Media. You can find us on Twitter at Muddied underscore Waters. You can find us on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Muddied Waters Media. You can find us on Float at Float.app slash Muddied Waters Media. You can find us on Anchor at Anchor.fm slash Muddied Waters Media. And you can find this in every episode At muddiedwatersmedia.com. Thought we were having a Joe Jorgensen moment there. I was like, no, I was reading uh, Reynolds' comment of 15 shares with a 54 reach. Yes, Chris, that is correct. Yeah, it's it is. It's actually 13 shares. I apologize. Yeah, it but. is. It is brutal how they're doing us. It is absolutely brutal. So, guys, thanks again for tuning in. We will see you next week. And where we're going. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself.